0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the DieCast Move Review Podcast. This is Steve, and we're doing a special episode today where I'm interviewing a young filmmaker from California, Ansel Farage. How you doing today, Ansel?
1: Hey, man, I'm good. I'm sitting here in quarantine.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm watching it. We're doing FaceTime, so I'm able to see behind him, and he's got uh, lots of different movies back there, so I'm sure... He's got something to do besides creating. He's, he might be getting inspiration.
1: Yeah, doing a lot of watching.
0: Yeah, I know a lot of people that are in lockdown. And, of course, as most people on our podcast know, I'm an essential employee. So, I've been out there plugging away. And it's it's been interesting to see. I don't know if you're familiar with the movie On the Beach with Stanley Kramer. Uh, Gregory Peck starred in it.
1: I saw thought, it thought once when I was a kid, yeah.
0: Well when I first started going to work and you could see as the lockdown was taking place and getting more and more locked down, less and less cars on the road. It was, it was very reminiscent of that movie where you saw less and less people. Right. Right. (laughs) Well,
1: we're living uh, the Omega man over here in LA where we were now. Now everybody has stopped caring as much and they're driving a little bit more, but for a moment it was very much the Omega man. And I was waiting for Anthony's herb to show
0: up. (laughs) (laughs) I could just see it now, you know, with the robes and everything. You know, let it burn.
1: <laughs> right, right. It's crazy, but here we are.
0: Well, I mean, what decided what led you down the path of becoming a filmmaker?
1: Um, well, I mean, my parents took me to see Family Opera when I was about five years old at the Pantages Theater in Hollywood. And this was early 90s, um, so the show was still dark and scary and kind of more in the horror vein and like the phantom was a lethal figure. And then they turned it into a glitter spectacular and all the horror went away. But back in the day, it used to be this blood and thunder show. And I was, I was mesmerized. I was like five years old and they're using this entire theater uh, to the show's advantage. And they're, you know, the chandelier and, and the smoke and all this, all the theater tricks they're doing. And I was just like, what is going on and how are they doing this? And I want to do this. And that got me really just excited about this magic trick that is storytelling. And then I started researching a lot of fan movie or I, I think my aunt bought the fan movie opera book that had like the history of, of the character and whatnot. And I started reading about the various movies. And I was very interested in the Phantom's disfigured face. <laughs> so I wanted to see all the various uh, movies to see his various disfigurements. And then um, I saw the Claude Rains one. And that was my first Universal Monster movie. And I enjoyed it immensely as a kid because I think I'm I'm watching a, a Phantom of the Opera movie. And that's, that's all that I'm kind of really after. But then I started thinking, I'm like, why isn't it like this? And why isn't why isn't there more of the Phantom? Why is there so much singing? And why isn't it scarier? And why can't I do my own? You know, I'm going to make my own scary, dark version of Phantom of the Opera, and thus uh, my curse was born. <laughs> 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 and here we are. And then dark shadows did not help. So
0: now I'm assuming the Phantom yeah. of the Opera, from what you're talking about, was the uh, Lon Chaney Phantom of the Opera. No, Rings. the Claude Claude Rings. Also, it's Claude. Yeah, that was the first one you saw.
1: That was my first. That was my first Universal monster. Yeah, and he has the best mask of them all.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because there's so there's been so many versions of Phantom of the Opera, and I know what you're talking about with the um, the musical version where where things took a different twist. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. It used to be dark. It used to be intense, and then Twilight. But uh. Yeah. sent him of the Opera, that was my start. And then um, my mom used to tell me about Dark Shadows as like weird bedtime stories. So I would hear all about Barnabas was in love with Josette, and then she jumped off Widow's Hill and whatnot, what have you. And then we got some of the the episodes, the tapes from Hollywood Video. And now I'm seeing the bedtime story come to life, (laughs) you know? And then I saw House of Dark Shadows and that scared the absolute crap out of me because it's just so violent and intense, and uh, I got to when my, my mom had, had, weirdly, my mom's a dark shadows freak, had never seen the movie, so she has no idea what I'm watching. She's thinking it's the show, and so I'm left all alone, and I'm like six years old, and oh it's getting more and more, <laughs> more and more violent, and then here comes Carolyn, they're going to stake Carol. and then they do Carolyn staking, and my mind was just, blown away of, of sheer terror and yet that's amazing. And I, I, I yeah, that cemented it. That was like, okay, if I if I wasn't sure what I want to do in life, <laughs> this, is, this is, here we go. I want to, how'd they do that? How'd they get all that blood bursting out of her chest and oh my God, I'm terrified and horrified, but I want to see more. <laughs> and I never saw the end of that movie for another two years because I was so... <laughs> Sister, <laughs> and my mom came in and was like, "What is this? What's going on? Oh my god, this is this is it for kids." And the tape was taken away. But now can, they come over for Thanksgiving.
0: I can imagine <laughs> you have an experience where um, a lot of fans of Dark Shadows back in the day, when the movie came out, because the series was still going on, and they right. like, "Oh yeah, you know, we, we can yeah. bring the kids." And uh, oh, <laughs> yeah,
1: pretty much. Although. Although my mom was sort of guiltily, because I then I remember she took the tape away, and then like I, I think it was later that night or something. I remember like I'm hearing the music again, so like oh she's watching the movie now because she wants to see it and she's into it. So and then my dad would like rent Sinbad and uh, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. So I had genre coming at me from all angles. So it was there was no escape <laughs> as a kid. <laughs>
0: So your mom was bringing you the Gothic horror, and your dad was bringing you action adventure,
1: science fiction. Yeah, renting me Blade Runner was the second. My okay, my first R-rated movie was Franklin Langella's Dracula, which again was my mom's fault. And then my second R-rated movie was my dad got me uh, the director's cut of Blade Runner, and I was also like sick. And this is early mid '90s, and Los Angeles, was 2019 was not all that far away at that time. And I'm a kid and I'm like, Oh my God, is this the future? I don't want to live in that future. <laughs> and now 2019 was last year and it it wasn't like that, but it's still pretty gnarly. But, um, so yeah, it was coming at me from all angles.
0: So <laughs> I have two older brothers who, and my eldest was a big a genre fan for those different things. So a lot of times he would watch those shows. And then of course, Oh, if Rick can watch it, you can watch it with your brother because he was eight years older than I was. So I was seeing things like gargoyles when I was probably not, shouldn't, you know, shouldn't have been seen jaws. I saw way too young. Of course it was PG. (laughs) Right. Early PG. It would never get a PG rating if it came out today. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just, it's just amazing how things have changed over time in the rating system. And, uh,
1: uh, what yeah, we got exposed to when we were. Or just television, like look at dark shadows. They're all you, you. You can show like two little black spots that makes up a vampire bite. And then last night I was binge watching American Horror Story nineteen eighty four. My God, <laughs> and this is this is
0: basic cable now. Like, but yeah, and it, it's amazing. And part of me. A lot of, There are people that are like gore hounds. They love to see all the gore. And and I'm not into that. And neither am I. I, I like it where it's um, left to your imagination because I always think that's worse, where you cut away yeah. right at yeah. that spot. Um, yeah, the Val Luton school suggestion. It's always a good school. If you, if you can do Val Luton, you you know you're on the right one of the right paths. There's multiple paths that right. are right, but that's one of them that's a good path to be on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, Val- and we
1: need more of his movies on Blu-ray, by the way. I'm just gonna say that Warner Brothers. I want the I want the seventh victim and I walked with a zombie already. And Isle of the Dead. <laughs> Sorry. If I have a movie geek moment, it's
0: gonna happen. <laughs> well, you got no problem with me. I, I love the the Leopard Man and the Ghost Ship.
1: Right? Leopard Man is so underrated. I that's a great noir.
0: Um you, you know that scene I'm um, about to mention where um it's talking about leaving things to your imagination when the one girl was the, the the mom told the girl, the girl to go get something or do something. she didn't want to go right. out. Go get the flower. Yeah. Yes. And she wouldn't let her back in. And you see the fluid come under the door, which, you know, it's black and white, blood, you know, it's yeah. the, but it's just whatever happened to her. We never see. We just know the end yeah. result. And that, yeah, that is just, and her that's, and everybody's reaction in the room. Yeah. Oh,
1: that's, that's a really actually a violent scene for that, that time. 43. But, um, now those are, fantastic movies so come on warner brothers let's get the look at the rest on blu-ray already like we got oh. night of the Living. why can't we have fight watch
0: with the Zombie? we got we got um dracula versus frankenstein on blu-ray
1: <laughs> yeah right that whole amazing how adamson box set severance it's just like everybody says physical media is dying and yet we just keep getting all these great collect if you can see behind well the viewers can't Listeners can't see, but you can see my, my stash.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, you, you definitely got at least, um, just, just from what you're showing me, a few hundred at least that I can yeah, see. Yeah, I have. <laughs> Probably a I thousand stash a somewhere.
1: I have a lot. I have multiple walls and then more in storage. And that's not counting VHS. Like, <laughs> I got I got movies to study. So,
0: yeah. And, that, and that's the thing, is, is learning from the people that have done it before, and then you can take it and add on to it. Right. Now, exactly there was another film i know that that was close to your heart and you, you i posted a song of it on facebook and you replied back to it robin hood disney's robin hood
1: oh yes <laughs> well that i that was yeah that was a moment um i hadn't seen that in years and then yeah you posted the video of the opening theme and i just it just like like lightning right came back to me and um I always I was just, this is this is embarrassing. I always thought that Maid Marian was kind of cute when I was a kid, <laughs> the fox. But um, yeah, I hadn't seen that I in years, years, and that was
0: that was a mind trip. So I know you you definitely you put you put one of the most touching comments about it when you as you just said, and I and and that's part of the reason I'm trying to when i my Facebook stuff I try to put things that are more nostalgic or positive because there's there's yeah. I think right now people need more pick-me-ups.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree completely. I would love to make a comedy right now instead of horror. So, I agree.
0: I mean, you know, it's just what I mean, you're and of course one of the ways to get away from reality is to go into movies. And I mm-hmm. I personally believe, I don't know about you, but I like I'm, I'm drawn more I'm drawn to a lot of movies. I am drawn to movies that are fairly realistic, but a lot of my favorites are also the ones that take you away to a different Mm -hmm. place. And it could be a comedy. It could be a horror. It could be sci-fi. It could be anything. And I think that's, I think there's the ones you had that hour and a half, two hours where you get to forget about what's going on currently in in life. I don't know. What what do you think?
1: I, I, I mean, some of my favorite, Style of filmmaking is, is when you get into the more um artificiality um so my mind might like, goes to michael powell and Emma Pressburger and like one of my all-time favorite movies black narcissus um you know the nuns slowly going bad in the himalayas and how that's shot entirely at pinewood and it's all map paintings and miniatures and uh gigantic blow-ups of uh photographs of the Himalayas that have been colored in with pastels and we're embracing the artificial. Or, or um, Strangler of the Swamp, which I just saw last year on Amazon Prime. i always wanted to see that movie. It was never, nobody ever had a copy and that, that stage-bound fairy-tale atmosphere and the fog and, and I think, you know, looking at my own work you can see that sort of the fairy-tale stage-bound um, uh, design um, maybe that's also an echo of Dark Shadows, too. Just that artificiality and embracing artificiality. Ken Russell, as well. Um, some of his work, like Listomania, where it's very embracing the artificial and the heightened. Um, I like that because it's like, this is movies. This is, as I said before, this is all a magic trick. It's is Hollywood. Nothing is real here, including the people. So why not embrace that magic? I don't need to go to... The Himalayas to do black notices. I'm perfectly fine with creating my own vision of it in my own backyard, so to speak. Um, yeah, that's that's my tangent.
0: <laughs> and, and also, the beauty of it is most most people that are going to see your films would never have been to the Himalayas if you did want, You know, it, it's nobody's going to. Right, I've been there. I know that's not there. It's the Himalayas. Were you really there? <laughs> right, and you know, I think I was thinking about this the other day.
1: Um, I mean, as we've all become less innocent now, we all have phones, we all have instant access to any place in the world. We all, there is no um, mystery left. We all know what that is. We all know that that can't be. And uh, Paris doesn't really look like that in Casablanca. And, you know, all all this, we, we now know so much, everything has to be that much more real. And we've lost something in, the magic and mystery of what could be and possibility. And, um, and I think that's why some, you know, I, I go back to horror because at the end of the day, it's it's fear of the unknown, like Lovecraft says, it's what's lurking out there in the dark. I don't know what's hiding in the shadows. I don't know what's watching me in that dark corner over there. There is, there could be something, there is possibility. Um, rather than turning on my cell phone light and shining, shining the truth into you know the world and there is no illusion and magic left
0: and that's the thing is i think most of us we want that illusion we want that magic especially when we were younger we 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 embraced it and some of us are able to hold on to that as we get older i don't want to say mature because some people just you know some people don't (laughs) some people don't and um I feel like with movies, I really get drawn in to a lot of movies and I'll, and I'm, I'm probably the easiest um, person for a mo- for a movie maker to draw in because I'm willing to give them and I'll go for it. And there's, there's certain things that can draw me out of a movie, <clears throat> right? <laughs> draw me out of a movie. But for the most part, i I just get in there and the sentimental scenes I'll be, crying during or getting weepy eyed, you know, and that kind of stuff. And then for the positive scenes, you know, because if you, if the filmmaker does a nice job as the audience, I think most of us want to be drawn in.
1: So you're, you're willing to invest. Yeah.
0: Yes. And I think it's a win win yeah. situation where some people go in and it's like, I'm going to go in and see what's wrong with this. And and and, and they want to trash a movie or, or whatever you want to call it. And, and yeah, you you can do that. You could pick apart virtually almost, I think almost any movie, if you really went into with that mindset.
1: Right. This, I actually, speaking to this the other day, I I got into a Facebook debate, we will call it, <laughs> with someone, a film critic, quote unquote, about Mark of the Vampire. And they're like, I really don't like this film. It makes no sense. And, and what a waste. And I'm like, it's a great movie. That's a great atmospheric Halloween classic. And so what that it absolutely makes no sense. And so what that, you know, technically at that time, the Nazis should have been invading whatever European villages that, that should have been taking place in. And I don't care that it's like Mission Impossible and all that because it's such a good ride. And it's so beautifully designed and photographed in and the atmosphere. And, and here's Lugosi getting to be a vampire again, you know, at, it's the most probably atmospheric gothic of the 30s. Why are you ripping on it? Just enjoy it. And uh, when you said, uh, speaking as a kid, like I saw that as a kid on TCM and I just accepted everything, you know, even the ending of like, oh, what, they're not vampires. It's all a murder mystery thing. Okay, well, I had fun. I want to watch it again, you know? And yeah, anyway, the that is- embracing, embracing the story for what it is. I think and so, accepting.
0: And and like with, when movies do sequels, some people will be yeah. very, well, this happened in this movie where the person was wearing a red shoe on their right foot. And now in the sec two movies later, they're not wearing the red shoe on the right foot. So there I'm like, where are you going, man? I mean, you've re- you really <laughs> have taken this to a different realm <laughs> of yeah. investment. Yeah. It was just probably the person in charge of wardrobe for that particular day. Forgot the person was supposed to wear a red shoe. It's, More likely just as simple as that, but people will read into the whole thing and it's just like.
1: They come with with anything. But at the same time, it's like, why not let those people, if they're going to invest, let them invest all the way because at least they're enjoying your work.
0: That is true. it is true. And they're definitely paying attention to every single frame you're doing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Whether good or bad, you know, it's especially, but I'm talking about like films that were never designed for anybody, you know, they never fought we would be doing with films we are today with yeah. digitally and all the other stuff that yeah. we can look at every single frame and go frame by frame and have it forever. Um, yeah. Nobody ever got all their flaws. Exactly. And, um, you know, and then comparing yeah. them to all the other movies and trying to make them into a universe. Yeah. Right. Now, speaking of Val Ludin, one thing I yep. think you've definitely learned from Val Ludin is how to make a dollar stretch <laughs> when making your
1: films. I, w- I would also <laughs> credit Roger Corman. <laughs> Before Val Luton on how to make a dollar stretch, but yeah
0: <laughs> both men knew how to how to make those bucks count. Roger Corman, of course, has been pro- probably it's and it's, it still is the master. I don't, you know, I mean, he's still oh, yeah. doing. I'm, I'm, oh yeah, I'm not sure if he's retired or if he's still producing, but he's, oh, no. he, he keeps on he, going.
1: He keeps going, yeah, and good for him. I mean, he's a he's a huge hero of mine.
0: Now you've done. According to IMDb, 43 different yep. films you've directed. God help me. Um, I think eight of them are features and the rest are shorts. And I know some people are like, yeah. oh, a short's not really a movie. I love shorts because. It took the same amount of effort and work as it did on a feature. It does. And and if the story calls for it to be 40 minutes, 20 minutes, that's fine. Because if you try to make it an yeah. hour and five minutes to get to or six, whatever it is, feature length. Then you're stretching right. it, and people are going to be like, the pacing was off; it was padded. Yeah, and and so yep. I'm, I'm really appreciative that you're putting out with your type of work. And I haven't seen everything that you've done, but I've seen a, a good portion. Is that it seemed to match the length to the story?
1: It's because it, it, ultimately, yeah, the story you're servicing the story. The story is going to dictate how long or how short it needs to be. Um, an ex a good example, if you really want to get into this, um one of my episodes of Theater Fantastique, The Happy Home of the Murderous Mahomes, um, which is the murderous uh, couple <laughs> that chops up the um, the uh, religious Bible salesman and puts them in a chili. Uh, that originated as a feature film script. Uh, and I had been intending to do that like three years previous at Lyndon Childs. And, um, and it was different and more sort of backwoodsy, I won't say Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but more like they're a backward, slightly Hick family. And I kept writing it and it, it, it wasn't applying itself to a three-act structure or a feature-length three-act structure. It just, it kind of stops. And I was like, and then what? How do you keep that momentum and these characters going and throwing all the kitchen sinks into it? And, uh, and then I realized, no, this is this is a short. The story can only be so long. So then when I decided to create that series, that was a perfect, story to then do as an episode and so yeah story the story demands how long or how short it it will be
0: oh yes and and, and, I'm, and that's i'm very appreciative that you realize that because there's been so many times i'll see not just young independent filmmakers like yourself but also people that are experienced filmmakers and they'll get a script and you look at this and you just watch the end product and you're just thinking uh
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know it, it might have been a great like Twilight Zone episode or, or you know, something along those right. lines where it's in that nice 20-minute or it went back when they had the hour-long Twilight Zone in the revival, right? Um, you know, 40-some-odd-minute mark, and then it's like you got gold, but when you stretch it to that hour-plus, it's, you know, yeah. you start to be like, you know, the one thing a filmmaker that I think never wants to see in the audience is people start to get antsy in the seats. and uh, Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: And, and, and so I'm really appreciative that you, I was never antsy in the seats with your watching your work. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and and sometimes I think when people do watch things, they, um, the mindset of the audience going in, in and the film, you, when you go to, the, when you go to the, see it at a, a theater, you're all, you're You're expecting a nice big show, but a lot of, okay. um, a lot of your work I saw on my iPad at home and you know, it, Somebody could be like, if you're watching just before you go to bed, you know, you're tired, you're not going to be as receptive. So you want to make sure as an audience member, you're at the most receptive spot so you can pick it up the best. And, right. I, and I think that that's very important if you want to get the most the, the rewarding experience. Yeah. Your first work in, according to IMDB, and now, I know, I, I, I think you've done stuff prior to this, but we'll say your first official thing, because it's on IMDB, I don't know. Okay. Life temporarily okay well 13 years ago yeah 2007 2007 all right so
1: in 2007 i was in the 10th grade i think um so these (laughs) pretty much everything up to 2012 with brother drop dead these were all student films that um i made with friends and then would submit to film festivals and hope and pray and then um so this was this is all early work but yeah this was a uh a friend, a, a friend of mine, in in school, she had. Not, we used to make horror movies together. I, used to, <laughs> I used to. We did a version of the Dunwich Horror when I was in the seventh grade, but it was less like Lovecraft and more Dean Stockwell, Sandra D style. And I ripped out her heart at the end and ate it. So it was like oh, seventh grade. But by the tenth grade came along, it's like let's make a movie about people and not a horror movie. So she wrote what would be a teenager's pers- a teenager's idea of what being an adult is like, so you can only imagine how (laughs) (laughs) skewered and unrealistic that was. But we made this movie about these two girls that were depressed and suicidal and then became friends and then uh it just it went from it it really if it resembled anything, it was like the movie The Holiday. And um so that was yeah, it was like my first film that I submitted to festivals and then just kept going and and so all of that pre twenty twelve, uh library is all my student work of which there was quite a bit and there is way more that isn't listed on imdb
0: <laughs> well i mean you know 10th grade <laughs> kind of blew my mind there. Yeah. you know it, uh but to have that at, at that age to get a movie and get yeah. into the festivals i mean there's there's people yeah. that keep saying oh i'm i'm gonna make a movie
1: and, and then never do
0: yeah and you know, for whatever reason, and I've and I've, I've said this before, I'm, I'm rarely ever going to trash a movie because it's made. They did something yeah. that That's, I don't know. Ninety nine percent of the world has never done.
1: Making a movie is like going to your own private war. But having said that, I would. There's nothing else I would do in my life. It's like the greatest feeling in the world. <laughs> making a movie, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, and, and it's there, and it's it's as they say, it's forever. Yeah, whatever, forever. I mean, yeah. there's definitely there movies made in the 1920s that they thought would be forever, and sadly are lost.
1: London yeah. after midnight. Yeah,
0: yeah, and yep. besides countless other ones that, and, and oh, sometimes yeah, and sometimes there are things found, and there's always hope that something's out there mm-hmm. somewhere, and and they could restore it and bring it back, um, either all the yeah. way or most of the way, so we can fill in. The blank, so the to speak, the yeah. gaps. But then the first film of yours, chronologically going by your order that I watched, was a gambling man. Okay, and, yeah, and um, that was a, a short. Had um, the, basically your two main stars, Nathan Wilson and Juliana David. And I yep. want to say, it was, uh, I'll let you talk about the movie, and I'll give you my impressions. But it was it was a very enjoyable short for the topic. Thank it was you. and I say enjoyable. I mean, it's not. It's, it's not a laugh it's, oh, it's not, not a lapper. Happy at all it's, it's <laughs> not happy but enjoyable in that it's it's um it is real a list and i said something yeah. i said earlier i yes. i usually like to go outside of reality and get away this this is something that should be brought up and 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 i'm glad you did so if you want to talk yeah, this, about it this was
1: this was um nate and i this is our third project together we've done a comedy brother drop dead that was our first and then we did the very first dr Mabuse. Um, so in between Mabuse 1 and 2 um, Nate had written this script um, he's like "I there's this character I want to play um, and uh, I wrote this short and uh, so this, this was all sort of like his brainchild and um, we made the movie I want to say like in a week I mean it was just like oh because what we this is this is our idea of fun like this is what we do so it's like hey what are you doing let's go make a let's go film Okay, cool, I'll be over in a minute, you know? And so was, we made this short film that he wrote, and then, um, yeah, and then we made a second one, not two or a couple of years after, Crypto, which is the, the
0: yeah, I've slightly seen more upbeat
1: uh, follow-up.
0: Yeah, because yeah, Crypto was 2018, so yep. five years later. And um, yep. what I liked about it, was his acting falling? somebody that has that addiction, you know, because it's a gambling mm-hmm. man. So people know what pretty much the gambling addiction and how it affects his family mm-hmm. or his wife and his, and and she's pregnant. And mm-hmm. to it, it's really, I mean, there are a few other actors that are in it and, and who did nice jobs, but I mean, really it's a two person. Yeah, it's their show. It's their show and how it goes to one conclusion, which... Five years later, you find out it might not have ended that way because you, my friend, are a tricky little filmmaker, which we'll get to later, (laughs) because that could have been one reality and the other one could be what happened different in another reality. The multiverse the multiverse the
1: Productions multiverse
0: <laughs> which i've been planning for years
1: through Kevin Feige so
0: so so people could watch this and say if they if if they preferred the ending in this one they could just stick with that one or they can go with the sequel mm-hmm. and see that it progressed, or they could say both like yeah you are very tricky with the uh, the multiverse <laughs> stuff
1: <laughs> i have fun I have to have my fun.
0: Yeah, so I was noticing but, that as uh, a theme in your films.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're trying to escape to a better reality, yeah. But in truth, really, because, I mean, Nate and Jewel, like so much of that film actually was improvised. Uh, and some of the really... Uh, it's funny, we made that movie. I was, again, I'm 20... Or no, I finally, by then I was 21 when we made this film. Um, and uh, and when, we, when we did the... Uh, when we did it, we just, you know, we made the movie and stuff. And then later on, uh, we looked at it again, and I'm like, gosh, guys, like, I hate him. Like, he's, he's so mean. Like, I, the one line that always sticks out in my head is, she's like been work she's pregnant, she's been working all day, he's just been sitting there. And uh, she comes in and, and says, "Oh, have you had any luck finding a job?" And he goes, "No, but can't you pick up an extra shift?" And like that's an improvised improvised line. And Nate and I are sitting, you know, five years later, watching this on our phone, and we look at each other, we start laughing. We're like, "God, we got to we got to redeem him." <laughs> so, crypto came about of like, okay, we need to we need to repair this guy's character because he's he's just not likable. He, he deserves that very unpleasant ending and cowardly ending. It's gambling man. But then I have a soft spot for these characters in my head. You know, it's like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta save them. If you can't save yourself, save the characters.
0: <laughs> well, I gotta say as the audience member, you know, it's a, yeah, like, as I said, I enjoyed the movie and, and, and I, the ending, I mean, yes, he was, he was a jerk and he deserved, yeah. what, <laughs> and he deserved what came to him. But there are movies that has been out there, many movies very you know, some, some of them won Oscars, which the character, the lead character is a jerk. Or, or, oh yeah or you don't realize the lead character was the villain the whole time and mm-hmm. until you get to the mm-hmm. end scene and there's you, nothing wrong with that
1: yeah there's nothing wrong with that um but yeah I just I, I i thought i we both felt I guess because this story was a little more real world based even though there's there's many surreal touches and, and weird moments throughout that we did um and and then explored even further in crypto um it was just like this guy is just a this guy's so unpleasant we've got to we've got a we got to write this. I don't
0: know. Well, but, uh, and I can see that where you you, you want to give him a redeeming arc, you know. Yeah, and that would be something if if you were actually did a full length movie, because the first, you know, both of them are shorts, and you could see where you'd have the the arc where he goes through and shows the growth and mm-hmm. and, and so on. I could I could see where you know you wanted to give him that that next arc. Yeah. And we'll, yeah, and we'll the get to crypto in a little bit. You know, I, was, okay. Because I did watch that <laughs> Sorry, one. Sorry, I was jumping ahead. Well, well that's all. <laughs> oh, it's fine. It's fine. Because I, I was going to watch crypto and I said, oh, it's the sequel to A Gambling Man. Well, so, oh, I got to watch A Gambling Man first. You know, yeah. it's just, <laughs> I, you know, otherwise you'd be like, oh, what's going on? I'm though, like, I could say what's going on, but you pretty much give a good summary in the beginning of crypto as to <laughs> what was going on yeah. prior to it. Yeah.
1: They, they stand alone as their own stories, but if you see, them together you get an extra layer
0: oh heck let's just talk about crypto you know since we're okay <laughs> we're halfway in if it anyway.
1: it's this corner of the multiverse that we'll start with
0: <laughs> yes was was it a multiverse or is it the same universe
1: uh well no it's got to be the multiverse because uh unless wesley and them are renting that apartment from august Harrison, uh i don't know you know
0: <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that apartment shows up in some in some uh, a few <laughs> films it's you, is somebody, whose apartment is it or is it something you can easily I, rent?
1: It's, it's Nate's actually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I figured this has got to be somebody's apartment because we keep coming back here. You know, it's either, it, you know, it, it, it's either. There's
1: no budget filmmaking. You got to do what you got to do, you know?
0: Oh, exactly. My phone all of a sudden was here and I was talking and started to ask me questions. And <laughs> that's right. Apple's listening in. <laughs> yeah. They want more of that
1: cryptocurrency.
0: And and that's what crypto is about, cryptocurrency. Yeah. And um yeah. and it continues on with his story and, and and um and you want to give it like a little bit about it?
1: Yeah, well, I mean the 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 genesis behind it, besides uh, us taking a look at gambling man again after so many years, uh, was uh, a bunch of a bunch of our friends in Venice were investing in cryptocurrency and we were <laughs> we were like, watch this just not work and uh they're you know they're gonna get this is this is here i don't trust it and watch them get hacked and lo and behold what happened they got hacked so we're like we were at breakfast and the the movie started as a joke and by the end of breakfast we're both staring at each other like okay we got to get back to the apartment as fast as possible and write this down because then this could happen and then that could happen and it just started happening you know the story started telling us and we started seeing oh wait these characters this is what's going on with this guy this time later, you know, and um, and it was also really interesting too because uh, Jules Juliana, who, who plays uh, Wesley's wife Anna, uh, she now lives in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> so we're like, how do we how do we work her in there? Because you know, this is a, again, me and Nate, we're guerrilla filmmaking. Oh, let's go make a movie, you know, tomorrow. So how are we going to do this and we're like well what if she's dead and then he's got the kid well now that's really gnarly and then well no she's got custody of the kid and she's somewhere else and because he's such a, and a jerk and a gambling man that's why she's got custody of the kid and until he fixes himself will he earn his reward um and also we were like okay this time we're not gonna be nate's like let's shoot him again <laughs> i'm like no let's 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 earn a happy ending now so and then that took that movie took a month and we had a lot of fun really diving into the surreal and the experimental and um running around under the Santa Monica pier in the middle of the night with strobe lights and yeah that's how we roll
0: <laughs> it, it was it, it was very enjoyable and you could see how he changed I don't, and, and, mm-hmm. and it doesn't say how much time's gone by it's not five years because the, the sun is over. Yeah, it, it, it's time, yeah. yeah it's a bit more time yeah it's a bit more time I like how when you were doing the video call in where he's video calling, um, Anna, you know, when Wes is video yeah. calling Anna, how it freezes on occasion. Cause that's what happens. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah, a video call. Was,
1: we really, I Jules in from Atlanta. We're like, all right, Jules, well, we got to That was, that was, that was really cool actually, because we're here in Venice and she's in Atlanta and I'm directing her as I would to Nate, who's sitting right next to me. And we've got the camera set up angles so that, like, we can get her in the shot and get him, and, you know, as you see in the film. And it's real; it's a real-time Skype call. And they're acting out this scene, half in Atlanta and half in Venice Beach. Um, So that all that pixelation and, and real-life freeze-framing and interference, that, you know, that's the real deal, man. <laughs> it's really happening.
0: And here, I was going to give you credit for making it look that way.
1: <laughs> I, I got ILM back here, you know, they're working... 12 hours a day be aging everybody for me. So,
0: (laughs) (laughs) but no, I I enjoyed it and I enjoyed how the, it was brought up a couple of times was the crypto, the Bitcoin, all that stuff. Isn't this another form of gambling? And as the one, as he even Mm -hmm. said it and his brother said it to him in the Mm -hmm. movie and, and and I liked how he was trying to, he was fighting it at first, you know, it's like, no, I don't want to go down this path. This sounds too much. And if he would have followed his gut, he would have avoided uh, bad yep. situation, which a lot of us should yep. learn. Don't, you know, that siren talk is usually not yeah. right.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't crash on those rocks, man.
0: <laughs> which, which, um, you know, if those don't watch the movie, you can see what happens to them, and, yep. um, <laughs> and, and who knows, there might be one after this, you know, it's... it's.
1: You know, have we we have been talking about We've even talked about a feature, but it's like, oh, I don't know that she could through a feature of that it's like my god talk about depressing <laughs> especially now yeah that, everything that, this else. is
0: not this is not the film to put out this this year <laughs>
1: no 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 it's, it's, yeah
0: Yeah, you because know, people be like especially if, if, if that happened to them and then they're like oh jesus this has happened that This has happened one question i do have yeah. to ask you though in the in a gambling man he had a gambling addiction but there was Mm-hmm. Did I miss the illusion, or the, the 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 not the illusion, but the um the showing that he had an alcohol addiction also, or did that it's happen there. in between?
1: It, it's there because I mean, even in the opening montage, he's got the beer and he's drinking in the morning. and It's always there. Um, we had a bit more of it, but then we cut it because it was just like this guy's way too much of a jerk. I really hate him now, but it's there. It was it's it's part of it. And then we figured, well, if he stopped gambling. What is what is the next habit that he's, he's traded one for the other. So he's, and now he's alone. He doesn't have the kid. He's dived into the, 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 uh, the drinking. Well, no, 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 he's, he's recovered. I'm sorry. I, and then he, he relapses. Yeah, sorry. Been, I made like three movies.
0: since, since, since oh, I know. Well, I was thinking in the time in between the movies in oh, my, right. my, is when is he went traded to gambling, went to the alcohol, and then we're picking up with him at the 12 steps. Cause it started off. I'm like, yeah. Does gambling anonymous do 12 steps? You know, that was my first thought. You know, there's, and-
1: there's, yeah. He's definitely drinking. <laughs> he was definitely drinking in gambling, man, but we didn't go that far or we didn't, we didn't show all that much, but we, we definitely shot
0: it. <laughs> it was, I was just wondering, you know, I was just like, cause, oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. cause when I saw him take the beer, I was like, Oh, I know where this is going now. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, ask yeah, ask away. Anything you
1: like to know about, uh, yeah,
0: about these movies now—the multiverse secrets, the multiverse. Yes, um, you have a big fanboy thing on Dark Shadows. Yeah, how in the world did you? get I don't know
1: that it's a fanboy thing though. that's because I don't know that you—that that, that's a that's an interesting description. I think, uh, sorry, I interrupted your question. I'm sorry, man, go ahead.
0: No, that's all right. No, 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 feel free. Cause I mean, a lot of people think I'm a, I, I like dark shadows and they think I'm a big yeah. fanboy because I watched all the episodes in a, less than four months. And, right. Which is not commendable. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> well, do it if you, I mean, you know, it's, it's only 1,225 oh, episodes.
1: Done
0: it. Done it. Oh yeah. And, 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 and you Know and you binged through and you go through it all, and then people say, Oh, he's a big fanboy. And it's like, No, I enjoy it, but I it's I grew up watching some of his episodes in the past, and then it was finally I got the coffin edition and watched them all straight through, and, right? Um, and so I enjoy the things, so but I wasn't sure because I thought maybe you were more of a fanboy because you were so inspired by Dark Shadows,
1: yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I mean well as I said like House of Dark Shadows that was that was um really a, a big gateway into the Dark Shadows world um and then seeing some of the revivals on sci-fi but um I guess why Dark Shadows is the most uh important is because of Catherine Catherine Lee Scott mm-hmm. and her books because uh my mom had gotten her very first book Scrap of Memory, of Dark Shadows in which um she has all these behind the scenes photographs of them making the show and like describing the making of the show so that was really i i would my mom would kind of read that and i would look at the photos and i would see this process of of filmmaking and how this is done and then um she put out the dark shadows movie book which had the screenplays for house of dark shadows and night of dark Shadows. and so when i finally got the tape back when i was seven um i got the, the movie book and would follow along with the screenplay so I've watched the movie and i like oh here's this line okay now this is what's happening and I learned how to write screenplays from the Dark Shadows movie screenplays and I then I was also reading like how they made the movies and like Darren Gross and Darren is now like a very very close friend of mine but like his essay of how they made the films and how they you know hung Laura from the tree and how they take Nancy Barrett and all, all the and all the, the editing and, and even pitching the film so a real understanding of Filmmaking and the filmmaking process came from Dark Shadows and the Dark Shadows movies, so therefore it has that much more of a resonance. So when I, I you know, like there, there's the Dark Shadows fans and they, you know, grew up with, who ran home from school to watch the show, um, and they they approach it as this was their escape from childhood and this is this other world and this other family that they can still live in and and be a part of, you know, so many years later. And I look at it as like. I learned my craft in a sense from these people long before I ever knew these people, you know, and ever anticipated them being in my work. Mm-hmm. So it's a different perspective, but yet the same amount of respect. And I was infuriated with the 2012 film. We'll also say
0: that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a totally different entity of its own In oh a different multiverse.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: What did, what did you think of yeah. the Revival series, the short, um, you know, short-lived Revival in the 90s with Ben Cross?
1: Well, I, I hadn't popped out yet when the show came on. I, was, I, was, I wouldn't be alive for another couple months in 91. <laughs> Thanks for making but me feel old. <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I finally did. <laughs> um, But, but uh, the 91 Dark Shadows, when I finally caught up with it, it was cool. Um, and as I was saying, you know, they shot that in Los Angeles as opposed to the coast, uh, at Greystone mansion, which is right here in Beverly Hills. So it was, it was especially cool. Cause then I could go to a Collinwood, maybe not the Collinwood, but certainly one of them. And, um, it's, it's an interesting interpretation of the show. Um, there's some really cool things. There's some, there's some questionable things. I think the thing that really sticks out my mind the most is, is, Roy Sennett's version of Trask and maybe that's because I'm just so partial to Jerry and because Jerry also used to scare the crap out of Mr. Reverend and Trask when I was a kid Um, and it's an interesting version of Dan basically remaking House of Dark Shadows at least in the pilot Um, it would have been cool to see where they would have gone especially now that I'm kind of part of that world and I've talked to you know people I've I've learned sort of where that show would have gone and what they could have done and that would have been interesting but you know dark shadows is dark sh- it's it's the original crew you know that's dark shadows to me
0: oh i agree with you there uh, cuz i start it's, 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 your first thing is usually thought times is going to be with your you're, you're going to yeah. be drawn to especially when you see it when you're younger like uh, i saw dark shadows when i was younger up you saw it obviously when you're younger the original yeah. and then when you see the other one when you're older you're comparing it and you can enjoy yeah, it you not, can't help there's nothing wrong with I, I like the revival series. I enjoy it, but it's but yeah, you are doing it's like different comparisons and different things. But you know, when you see yeah. remakes of different movie types, um, you know you're seeing mm-hmm. the same storyline. But just because it's a remake doesn't mean it's bad. You, you get to see a different creator's oh, yeah. point of view, and the, with all the creators, oh yeah, types with the actors and actresses going through it, and the filmmaker, and
1: yeah, I mean, just the fact that really, I mean. I, I, yeah I am no in no way am I am I dissing on the show and I mean it's a it's a very good show and it's very well produced and and that's what really what I'm getting at I mean uh Dan after you know mounting Winds of War and War and Remembrance and you know the huge epic spectacles of television getting to now have the proper financing proper budget and a better understanding as creator of that world how to then remount it the way he saw fit you know there's, there is no reason at all to, to uh, discount it. But yeah, just as fans, it's like, well, we know who the, we have a certain idea of who those characters are. And, and that cast does a fantastic job. I actually think um, uh, Jason Fife as Willie, who everybody seems to rag on. I thought, I, I like his portrayal. John Carlin, John was the master and was hysterical and was brilliant. And that's a whole other story that maybe we'll come to. But Jim Pife was very good and was a very different Willie, but was very good. Um, Barbara Steele, but she's Barbara Steele. We're not gonna I mean you can't say <laughs> what can you say about Barbara Steele. Um the whole cast was they did a great job and it looks fantastic. It has the atmosphere, um it's got the resources they didn't have back in sixty six, sixty seven. Um and it would have been it would have been cool to, to allow it to grow into its own thing, you know? Um but it, it the time just wasn't right and we're lucky that we got what we got and we'll see what happens in the future
0: yeah it's just always one of those things you always hate when a storyline ends right in the middle and you're just like
1: ah yeah on a cliffhanger but that's on a cliffhanger and what a great cliffhanger too <laughs> yes,
0: yeah but there's so many tv series or even movies that they expect that they're going to be a sequel and then it's just you, there is never because it just didn't hit yeah. well at that time with the audience. And some of these movies, 20 years later or five years later, they find an audience and um, you know for people down the road. Mm-hmm. And now it's suddenly, you know, people look back and say, oh, that person was just ahead of their time. And it's halfway it happened. Mm-hmm. But the reason I brought up Dark Shadows is you were able to have different a- actors and actresses come to this next movie I wanted to talk about of yours. And I think you yep. know where I'm going. Doctor. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Maboose. And just before yeah. we have him talk about it for give people some I have some trailer for it to give people an idea of what this movie was like and then we'll go right into discussing who he got from Dark Shadows to be in it. Though I think you'll know from hearing one of the voices if you're a Dark Shadows fan, actually two of the voices and one very good evil laugh. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a Dark Shadows fan, you should know exactly which three people he got. I almost wish I could make this a cliffhanger thing and have people do a trivia thing. Just from hearing that, can you tell us who it was?
1: From the oh, office? yeah. Oh, yeah. All
0: right, so here we go.
2: future and it is mine for the taking. I've spent many years carefully calculating every move, working out each detail of my doctrine. I have waited far too long in the shadows alone. But now into this world of paranoia and despair, they'll turn to me as their ultimate leader. And my own world shall begin. They will know my name once more, as men knew it once long ago. And this time, they will never forget it. Permit me to introduce myself. My name is Maboose, Doctor Maboose. Take care, Inspector. These are strange times.
0: I tell you, there's, there's to me, two evil laughs, one male, one female. They're the best. Vincent Price to me has one of the the, the best male evil laugh. Yeah. Laura Parker has the best female evil laugh. And I'll, I'll just take that to the grave. I mean, somebody can beat those two. That's just, I'm sorry. You know?
1: uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and she turns on that laugh, like, like a water faucet.
0: <laughs> How did you get? The three of them, I assume that, you know, I'm not sure where they all live. Where did they, where do you, they flew out to where you're doing your production or where do some of them live in the area? How, could you tell us the story? How, how were you able to get those three? I mean, that's just amazing. Well, yeah, I was 20,
1: just turned 20. Um, and I had written this Mabuse script when I was 15, 16, somewhere around there. Um, and had always wanted to do this, always fascinated with this character. Uh we have already you know, I'm cursed by Dark Shadows from an early age, so it's just part of me. <laughs> and then um uh the Tim Burton film is coming out of Dark Shadows. And I I very, I very I decided okay I'm just gonna I'm gonna make this film. I wanna make this I wanna do Dr. Maboose now. Why not? Uh so uh, Catherine had published a book, again, <laughs> about Dark Shadows and um, about the new Dark Shadows. And then um, she was on Facebook a lot uh, in anticipation of this new film. And I was able to contact her. And I introduced myself. I said, I'm this um, young student filmmaker. Uh, I've written this script about Dr. Mabuse, uh, Fritz Long Uh, Had done some films about this character back in the day. This completely original thing. Uh, You know, I wrote. I wrote these characters. I would love for you to play this character that I wrote for you. Um, Never expected to hear anything. Lo and behold, she responded, and um, she she said, "Okay, I'm intrigued." And you know, what's this project? And I told her a little bit more about it. And she said, "Let me read the script." And this is all by email, by the way. Send her the script she reads it i'm sure that she does she believes that i probably haven't written this um she says are you okay let's meet and we'll talk so i'm we're casting the film um in hollywood so we're at the 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 casting facility and i said well we're we're holding auditions for these characters and whatnot so she goes great i'll come meet you there okay wonderful um so i'm 20 and i don't really (laughs) i don't really have much experience with like "Quote unquote real actors," you know. Like my the the one real actor that I know is Lyndon Childs, who was a TV character actor who was in literally everything. He was on the pilot of The Munsters. He worked for Alfred Hitchcock and Marnie. He did everything. Um, and so then he was making he was in some of my early work in like starting in 2010, and really sort of validated me as a teenager that. Just screwing around with the camera. That okay? Yes, you, you're capable and you can do this. You can make movies. So all I know is him, and we. You know, we're we're seeing these other actors, and then I open the door and I see coming across the hall a slightly older Maggie Evans, and I'm like, Oh god, <laughs> <laughs> here she comes. And so we have this conversation, and she's like staring at me, and you know, I'm this very. Nerdy, pudgy, whacking all the facial hair that I've got right now, um, kid, and and she's just like studying me and like, and she's asking me all these questions well, how are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? And um, uh, uh, her character jumps from uh, a location in the film, and she says, "I've already jumped once before, so how do you plan to shoot this?" <laughs> and I explain her, well, we're gonna. Have the camera here and i give her all the i answer all of the questions the right way i assume and she goes well who did you want who do you see as mabuse as the title character and i said well jerry Lee, as mabuse because he used to scare the crap out of me as reverend trask and he's got this great voice and i really need a voice for this guy she's like oh and um she goes and and uh this character here that the, the system because it's these two psychics I'm, i should have started with that i'm sorry uh, Madame Von Harbo is one psychic, and Madame Caroza is the other psychic. And she goes, "This other character here would be a great part for my friend Lara." And I'm like, "Well, this is exactly what I've been thinking," <laughs> you know. But I don't know how to reach her. Um, and she goes, "Okay, well, if, uh, let me see. You know, let me see what I can do, and um, you know, keep me posted on the project, and uh, you know, we'll 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 talk." So this is, we'll say April. Uh, The film would be shooting in June. Um, I'm going to start speeding up. I managed to get in touch with Jerry Lacey. I send him the script. I find him on Facebook. I send him the script. No, I don't. I'm sorry. I find him on Facebook. I don't hear from him for like a month. So I assume, well, this is not going to happen. Then I hear from him and he says, I'm intrigued. I sort of know this character. I kind of know what you're talking about. Let me see the script. So I send him the script. And he gets back to me and he says, well, I thought this was going to be like a 10 page short and you sent me 110 pages. Uh, however, I'm, I'm intrigued. So I'll give you a call. What's your phone number? So I'm like, all right, well, here's, here's you know, my phone number. So then that night, my phone rings and Humphrey Bogart is on the other end of my phone. And that was, <laughs> I was like, oh, holy crap. And um, He tells me, he's like, well, I read your script. And, uh, I'm intrigued. I am going on a vacation to Italy with my wife, and he's married to Julia Duffy, and I don't realize that at the time either. So he's, my wife and I are going to Italy in June. So um, I don't know if I can do your film, but I'm intrigued. So convince me. And I just sort of die on the other end of the phone. And then I manage to convince him. And... At the end of the conversation, I finally tell him, well, Kathleen Lee Scott is probably going to be playing the one psychic and Laura Parker might be playing the other. He goes, oh, okay, interesting. And then I don't meet Laura until like the premiere of the Dark Shadows movie, at which point Catherine introduces me and she goes, Laura, Laura, this is our director. And I, Laura Parker looks up to me, Angelique, who, by the way, Night of Dark Shadows when I was a kid, when she... (laughs) When Angelique's ghost is like that blue mist that comes down the hallway and attacks John Carlin, scared me as a kid. (laughs) So now here is Angelique looks up at me from signing a a, one of her novels, and she goes, "Oh, okay." Because evidently her and Catherine have already talked about the film, and so she's just staring at me again, just you know, investigating me with her eyes, and um, she's like, "Let's talk after the movie." So then they show the they show House of Dark Shadows, and they show the Tim Burton thing. Then afterwards, uh, um, I go down to talk to Catherine and Laura. And Laura's like, do you have lights? Do you have this? Do you have that? I'm like, yeah, we do, we do. we we got everything, we got everything. And then I get home like, mom, dad, we got to get lights, we got to get lights. So I managed to convince the three of them, and then they showed up at my house the, three weeks later with everybody else for a table read. And then I knew it was real. And then a week and a half later, we're in my aunt and uncle's garage surrounded by blue uh, fabric being helmed by a 20-year-old with a camcorder and no microphone. And trial by fire. <laughs> and then here we are, yeah. So I'm sorry, I really dragged that story out. But, And then we made five more of them.
0: <laughs> I'm the, I don't know... I don't think I don't care. I don't think people are going to care if you dragged it out or not. It's just interesting to find out how, like one domino leads to another one. It's, it's like all these dominoes end falling. up into
1: the maelstrom that is Collinsport. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, and and the way you yeah. were reacting as you were meeting each of these people or talking to, meeting them, you cannot tell me yeah. you were not a fanboy. Well, <laughs> dark shadows. Yeah, I like mean, you tried too I,
1: earlier. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, I was, I was. Cause here they are you know here is you open your front door here is reverend Trask standing at the door looking at you expectantly you know and now you got to tell him something and and um, it, 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 it was i get i guess we'll say the word intimidating i mean it has to be you're I'm, i was a kid that had no idea really what the hell he's doing and had no real world idea of What I was about to get into I had you know A whirlwind that was to come Um, So it was intimidating It was intimidating and nerve wracking And oh my god I have to prove myself I have to you know They've been directed by legitimate directors They've been around You know the pros They are pros themselves That's also why I want to work with them Not just because oh wow you were on Dark Shadows Well no you're you're all three highly capable actors let's get to see what else you know you can do um besides the dark shadows routine that that everybody just remembers you for so um it was just like oh shit i've got a i've got to to prove to not only these three season professionals but the other ensemble that i've hired to be in this film who are now also intimidated because there's Three very seasoned professionals they're doing a table read with that they weren't expecting either. So, and Nate and I are kids, and now we're going to go play in that sandbox
0: with them. Well, the thing is, is and I've seen films like like you've done where you bring in people that aren't being cast. Sadly, you know they're not being cast Mm -hmm. anymore, and they have all this experience from Mm -hmm. screen, theater, both, all of it, whatever. And yep. when they get it there, I'll, I think most of them are, are going to bring up other people's games because mm-hmm. once they get there, it's, it, everybody's going to rise up and try to bring their a game. And I know people say, well, why would they do this or that? Why would they work for a 20 year old or whatever? You know, yeah. it's good being a devil's advocate. I always remember a quote from Ricardo Montebaum, who was quoting somebody else that told him this, you're only an actor when you're acting. Exactly. You're not acting. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's what they look at. And I think they're just waiting for good scripts to come or good roles. Things yeah. that they can do and they can and they can make it their own and, and work with it. Yeah. And work with and, and I, that's what I'm appreciative of yourself. And there's a couple other I know filmmakers like yourself that are utilizing the um older generation, so to speak, and giving them these roles because they they're so talented. Yeah. David Selby said
1: to me uh I'm so tired of being put in a damn suit. I'm so tired of wearing a suit. You know. Let me let me be a guy or just something you know do something. So, you know, and also like actors they get typecast in certain things. Now, here am I. I got Laura Parker playing another witch, but you know, it's you you got you you, you want to give give these actors yeah, the the chance to to work we all want to work i'm so desperate to work right now i'm going crazy with having to just sit here although we are going to be working very very shortly next week on um on the same world but uh but i can you know yeah the, the, i don't know where i was going with this david Selby didn't want to be in a suit so we made him a pastor <laughs> <laughs>
0: And of course, that one you're talking about, Loon Lake, which will which will end. Yeah, that will be the last movie we will talk about. Yeah, yeah, so that's as that one is, is is definitely one of my favorites. Thank you. Now, a year later, after mm-hmm. Doctor Movies, and you had Nathan Wilson, of course, in there because you know, I, I, I guess he's like your good luck charm. He's like your John Ratzenberger for Pixar. You got to have yeah. Nathan in a in some kind <laughs> of role in every movie as a good luck charm. He's my yeah.
1: Uh, he's my he's my. <laughs> To Shiro Mifune, to my Akira Kurosawa, <laughs> and dare, how dare I lock myself up there so highly? How dare I? But I didn't want to say Burton either. But yeah, um, Nate's my good, Nate's my good friend.
0: And uh, and and when uh, we get to the last two films, we talk about. I, I really want to emphasize talking about um, him because he does. He does he's, he, You can see his growth as long as as well as yours going through all these oh, films, yeah. and it's just amazing to watch. And that's why I do like to watch filmmakers chronologically where I can, because when you start, you know, if you start at the end and then you work your way back, it's like, well, why did they do it that way? They did it this way different. It's like
1: because they had to learn that way.
0: Yeah, you know, this is twenty twenty. They did that film back in nineteen ninety. It's thirty years yep. ago. You know, they're yep. different. They're a different person exactly you wouldn't even know what it's like for 30 years you haven't even experienced 30 years yet but you know one day no
1: (laughs) no but i can already tell you how everything i did 10 years ago in my work i would do differently
0: now i mean yeah so yeah 30 years from now will be fun in 4d and i'm glad you brought back a character that i think the last time i know was utilized by fritz lang Mm -hmm. um and then i think wasn't it in the 60s or the 50s they it, did in the yes yeah, in the 60s so fritz long's actual final film
1: was "The thousand eyes of dr mm-hmm. mabuza and that was in 1960 um and that kickstarted started a revival of sorts of the mabuza character in germany um basically because of the the james bond popularity popularity and success uh, so there was the sort of mid 60s Run of of uh, Eurocult films, I guess you call them, uh, or or creamy films, and then uh, there's there's other. I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna start talking about Doctor Mabuse in film history, really, uh, which I could I could teach a class on that. But uh, David Collette, uh his book, The Strange Case of Doctor Mabuse, was my textbook that I bought for myself. Um, when I really wanted to dive into the character and it is the authoritative. I mean, it's, it's a definitive history of the character um, up until my movies. I think if you go if I want to sound cocky for a second, but uh, there's also also a film that I love scream and scream again, with Vincent Price and Christopher Lee and Peter fishing for a moment, which is considered a Mabuse film. Um, it shares many uh, thematic echoes and, and elements that, uh, the mythology likes to explore. Um, and I actually named Christopher Pennick's character, Professor Conrad after uh, Marshall Thompson's character in uh, Gordon Huster's film. Uh, then there was um, a Jeff Franco film, which I have not seen. Um, and then the, the last time the character was really utilized before we did our versions um, was in 1990 uh, by Claude Chabrol. Uh, in a film called Doctor M, um, AKA Club Extinction, with Jennifer Beals and um, Alan Bates plays Doctor Marsfields, which is basically Doctor Mabuza. And what's cool was that on the first day of filming with uh, with Jerry on the movie, talk about terrifying again. Um, Jerry, I had the book on set in the garage on set, um, and he's looking. He goes, "Oh, it was directed by Claude Chabrol. I went to France, and I was in a I was in a a, a commercial for him." And um, so then we like talk about Claude Chevrolet for a moment and talk about his uh, mystery thrillers. and So that was fun. And um, Anyway, there's the history of Dr. Rivers for you. And well, then we did ours.
0: And the reason I was bringing it up, here's a character that has been used in decades, 30 years, roughly the, you know, the 25, book itself, 30
1: years. The book itself, the novel by Nor Jacques has been out of print in the United States since 1930, 31. Um, and then, in 2015, uh, this small indie firm published it again, and I have got a copy on Amazon, and on the back, uh, it, well, on David collect uh, history book, this, The Strange Case of Dr. Mabuse, it says the 12 films, uh, and three novels. This book said the 13 films, and three novels. So I was like, hey, they've acknowledged, they've <laughs> acknowledged mine now. This book has been reprinted because of our two films that we've done um and if it hasn't that's still the story that I'm going to say anyway because there was no reason for this novel to get reprinted in english all of a sudden the year after my second film came out after not being printed since 1930 like it, i don't believe in coincidence
0: yeah probably you know? they saw like oh they're doing work let's put it out there yeah. it 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 has an audience again and yeah and which makes it makes it a, a win-win. You know, people get to see right. more of the character and also then they get the book which
1: Yeah, and then I was able to read the book. I always wanted to read it and now I I've, I've read it.
0: And as you said you did two films because the following year you did Dr. Mabuse oh, the... on a
1: Etio Pomar. Etiopomar. Etio Pomar, Yeah.
0: Where did you which come it up it of...
1: from the book.
0: That's what I was going to ask you where it came from, you know.
1: It comes from the book that that comes from, um, and nobody ever used that in in the uh, in any of the the adaptations or interpretations. Um, so in the novel, uh, not novel and subsequent short stories that Jacques wrote, uh, Mabuse, Doctor Mabuse, the Gambler, as the novel and first film is titled. The reason why he's he's doing all these nefarious acts and and gambling and raising all this fortunes is to build a jungle empire uh etiyo kumar in uh south america and uh so then there was a, a follow-up short story called mabuse's colony which in which mabuse had died but some of his uh, disciples um led by frau christina so christina novello the, the, the female character in, in my two films. um have taken his doctrine and are going to build the city and live out the city etio pomar in the jungle and nobody ever used this this idea of etio at all and i was like this is a really cool concept so what you know let's let's run with that that's what maboo's wants he's going to take over this city which represents it. you know stands in for the world and he's going to take over the world and make the world his own his own etio his own dark dominion and that was what I wanted to explore in the second one. And then that was a challenge unto itself.
0: <laughs> and the second one, you know, what did they say? was sequels. Go, go, get bigger.
1: <laughs> you, bigger. You, def- you definitely went bigger. big.
0: You definitely went big on this one. yet And also, yeah. Chris, as you mentioned, Christopher Pennock came in. He,
1: he came on, Yeah. And, and he had and a too And David Selby was going to be in it, too. What? David Selby was going to be in it. And then his schedule he was conflicting with Matt Weiner's and Mad Men, so we, we did not get him. But um, yeah, we, I went I, for better or for worse. I, I learned. I learned so much on that single film that I have learned on almost all my work combined. I learned what to do and what not to do on that movie. But uh, I, one of my cinematic heroes is robert altman i love altman and i wanted to get into that sort of altman-esque ensemble and since i said this is this is it's a tio it's Mabuse's city this is a story about his people and not about him and that's why we open up and we see all these other mabusian plots that are happening by you know, the citizens. So no, nobody is good, nobody is bad. They're all sort of on their own equal standing uh, morally. And, uh, you know, what's it all worth? Was it all worth it? That, that idea to explore. I learned so much on that film and there's so much I wish I could change and fix. And also that movie, the script changed a lot. Going back to Lyndon Child, as I've mentioned, um, he was, he's in the first film as Inspector Von Bank, uh, Carl Lohman's mentor. Yes. He would have been in the second film as a major character, as a figure of death, sort of inspired by Death Mm -hmm. and the Seventh Seal. And he would have come and he would have destroyed Mabuse and brought him down because it was, Mabuse destroyed him, now it's the payback. He died three weeks before um, filming began and I was an emotional wreck, so I was not in the happiest of places making that film. The script subsequently changed drastically. Um, you know, things got shuffled around, characters got lines of his, and a lot a lot shifted on that movie, and I learned a hell of a lot and um, you know it it was it, it was it i mean it invaluable for the experiences that I learned on it, and uh, but I hope to revisit that world on a a bigger more proper budget i had so many more ideas when when he would insert the key into the city he would literally activate the city and the city itself would 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 start spinning around the people and become like this amorphous maze and like all these other ideas and concepts that you would have had more robots and a full-on mob and a chase and things that I, I, I had no money for and like five people on an eight by eight garage. Well, at least we had a microphone on this one. So we, we, you know, we stepped
0: up to the point. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, but it, yeah. Yeah. It, it was one of those films I was watching it and I was thinking, boy, is he really going for it? I mean, you know, you were, you were, yeah. there were, there were a lot I, of ideas out there. I and, was very ambitious. And I love, I love the nods to Metropolis and, um, Oh yeah. And other things, and uh, and was the one character a nod to Nosferatu? because the way uh, it started to what, change. I'm trying to remember the character's name. The one that got the oh um,
1: oh Cesar.
0: Yes. Yeah, well, okay. See that? No, that's a again because the script
1: changed due to various things. So what was going to happen? I'll tell you. Ah, oh, it would have been cool, man. Um they would have started and they were injecting him with that drug that was in that magic tool. magic tool yeah. that they duped him with. And it was going to be like, it would have corrupted him and made him, uh, almost like a catatonic sleep. Really what I was, was, was going for was Caligari. Was, oh, uh, Cesare, the somnambulist, yes. you know, Conrad Veidt. So Cesar, Cesare, um, and uh, so he would have become like this walking, sumna- a literal human robot that the resistance would have controlled. And at the end, there was an ending where they would have tied up Mabuse to a pyre just like Maria the robot in Metropolis. And he would have come and ripped out Mabuse's heart. And then the, witch- like, the witches were going to turn to stone and like, all these other crazy ideas. And I was just like, I don't know how and shit to do this because I have no money. And I'm 21 and I have to do all of this by myself and edit it all by myself on my laptop. And I'm lucky I got a mic. Uh, and, but the script just, it, it constantly kept changing because of, you know, this unforeseeable event that
0: happened. Exactly, so. yeah, let, and let those things happen. It, I would I, I really would have been interested to see as you do too, you know, the deaf symbology and, and him, yeah. doing, that would have because I like the seventh seal. I saw for the first time earlier this year. We did a review of it, and um, it was it that movie. I don't want to get talking about no. that one. That one, that one, we could talk for a long time. And because uh, because Richard Chamberlain and I, who did that review together, we we talked for at least an hour on the you know on the movie, and it was. I don't, I think we were only touching the surface. What we could talk about? Yeah, right. About. Oh,
1: that's yeah, that's a. Masterpiece of all Bergman. I love Hour of the Wolf. Now I'll shut up because we're going to go way off
0: of topic. <laughs> all right. Now, interesting yeah. enough, you, you then switch gears and go to a totally different type of genre. H.P. Lovecraft. Okay. One of the movies I watched with the last case of all. Last case of August T. Harrison. Again yeah. with Jerry Lacey playing the lead role. Um, yeah, Nathan Wilson in it. You have, um, I didn't mention her from your last film, but Kelly Aaron Decker has a small role in this, but she starts to show up a lot in your later films. Oh, yeah. And, Kelly. Uh, and I, I've noticed that, but Maggie Wagner, Wagner. Oh, she was something. She was something. She was delicious. <laughs> she <is> good. So <laughs> what, what, what do you want to tell our, um, the listeners about the, um, actually let's play the trailer first. And okay. then and then we'll go right into your thoughts and tell us about um, the last case of August T. Harrison.
1: All right.
2: <laughs> are you Detective Harrison?
0: Uh, yes. I,
2: well, I mean, I was a detective. I need to find this young man named Drake Johnson. Your son says that you are the best, Mr. Harrison. Can you please help me? We'll begin to see them too.
0: Okay, what can you say? I mean, Jerry Lacey, the voice—is so different than his prior film, and he's such—he's so great. Oh yeah. So one one thing I just want to mention to everybody: these, these um trailers. If you want to see them, they're available on YouTube at uh,
1: Hollingsworth Productions, and it's H O L L I N S W O R T H. Hollingsworth, not Hollingsworth, as most people think. Um, and Productions dot com. Uh, Alpha New Cinema has released uh, five of my works on DVD, uh, including August Harrison and the Mabuse films. So you can check them out that way. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm,
0: yeah, I'm going to put links on our description thing to um, the YouTube channel cool. and uh, make sure people know where they can go to Alpha access, you know, and, and be able to you know, see these films because I mean, in alpha it's, it's, I mean, you're not, you're not, I'm not sure how much you're charging. I didn't look at the prices, but
1: I'm not even in charge of that. That's not even my, I have no say on that. Yeah. So I'm I'm a a poor penniless, independent filmmaker.
0: Right. (laughs) 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 Well, I'm a a penniless podcaster. So we're, we're in the same, we're in the same situation. (laughs) so I gave, I gave the listeners a little bit of a hint that this movie is about H.P. Lovecraft. They heard H.P. Lovecraft's name in the trailer. So tell us about the movie. You know, what, what do you want to talk about with this one? Yeah, well, I, I guess I'll
1: start with my love of Lovecraft. Um, I was always familiar with Lovecraft uh, as a kid. I, I knew that he was a horror writer and that he was scarier than Poe. And so like Poe was like my guy as a kid and Lovecraft. I was always like, well, I don't know that I, that's, that might be too intense for me. I'm getting scared with the house of dark shadows. So got right. <laughs> should I go in that territory? And then, um, I saw the haunted palace with Vincent Price. So That was my first introduction. Really liked that movie. Uh, and then, um, I have a book of horror movie posters, And there was a poster for the Dunwich Horror, the AIP film. And, you know, that's a a really nice exploitation poster with the the Wilbur's twin and and the the half-naked girl attacking. And I always wanted to see that. And then we were at, one of my parents' friends were having a party. And he had some vintage Lovecraft Valentine paperbacks. And he had the Dunwich Horror. So I was bored. It's a bunch of adults at this party, and I could care less. So I'm looking at the books, and I'm looking at that one in particular. And he's like, "Hey, you want? You can take that home and read it if you want." So I read it in the car, riding home, the whole first, the whole tri- the whole story, The Dunwich Horror, in like one car ride, and I was converted. I was like, I want to go to the Miskatonic Valley. I want to see Sentinel Hill. I want to hear the whippoor-wills This is amazing. I love it. And then I just devoured every single Lovecraft story I could. So This is also on my 10 or 11. I should have put that detail in there. Um, and so I was reading a bunch of Lovecraft. And then I did, as I mentioned, I did a Dunwich Horror movie version as a book report in the seventh grade. Uh, so after Mabuse, we were going to make one film that fell apart. And then I decided I either wanted to do my own version of Dunwich, or another sort of Lovecraftian story. And then I, I started thinking of August Harrison and I uh, wrote it for Jerry. And then we made it that Christmas and it was myself and Nate and Jerry hanging out in Venice, nights on end, and just the three of us hanging around, filming and having fun. And um, and then we, we did the festival circuit and... Uh, it's a film i'm very very proud of i know every, nate jerry and maggie are all very proud of uh we worked really hard on it i really wanted to as we were, as we were, as we started our conversation talking about the artificiality of film um the Mabuse movies are very you know artificial very stylized purposely so um uh, because they are not in reality they are in a, a fairy tale landscape this needed to be real this needed to be uh, I mean it was it was Venice Beach because this is that's where I'm from um, I wanted to go to the Val Lewton, uh side of filmmaking into the more suggestive noir horror um, I wanted to utilize Venice the same way that Curtis Harrington had used it in Night Tide I love Curtis Harrington Curtis Harrington is such an underappreciated underrated talent people need to rediscover him i going to say that get that out of the way uh, Night Tide uh, Dementia Um, another film Bloodbath which is a crazy cult film but had used Venice Beach in such an atmospheric European-esque way and um, in order for uh, and and with Jerry having written it for Jerry who is Humphrey Bogart as we know (laughs) in a new noir um, he was going to ground it in such a reality with his performance that it dictated the rest of the film be so realistic for us to buy into the suggestive horror. So we worked our, our butts off to make this um not only as professional as possible with no money, um, but as um honest as possible in its uh world, its emotions, and its storytelling. So there you go.
0: <laughs> I love the um with this, you don't show the monster because really, with Lovecraft, it's always it's all suggestive. It's all suggestive, and I think it's just best always left that way because every time, not every time, but most of the time, I've seen a Lovecrafting film where they show it to you the the undescribable. Yeah. It's yeah. It, it always that doesn't it's, work for me as much, you know, it's like, okay, you just yeah. described the undescribable, and I'm, exactly. I'm lack. I think he came up lacking, but some people, yeah. it might fit right with what they had in their mind. And in that case, yeah, that's fine. You know, cause everybody has a different um, way Idea, of looking at yeah. it. Yeah. But I mean, uh, Jerry Lacey, again, it's, it, I think I, I messaged you before. Oh, Jerry Lacey is doing a great job. And, and it's like, what a shock. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly. Exactly.
0: You, you, probably thought I was, you probably thought I was telling you water was wet or something like that. I mean, it's, 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 you know.
1: It's... Uh, yeah. We're, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember when we were, we, um, we were recording all of the, the, the voiceover narration in the film, you know? And so Nate and I are just sitting there and we got the mic propped up and Jerry's like, all right, I'm going to do the narration now. So he's got his script in front of him and he just, Starts to speak and then he he reads the thing and then he like looks up and she's saying like all right good yeah yeah and nate and I are like wow oh my god he's okay i'll carry on and then he'll read the next thing and then he looks up again and we're like there's nothing to say man just just great you know i don't have to tell you what to do and obviously he's had enough years of experience that you don't have to tell him what to do but then again he's just that good he's just that they all are they are that talented that also comes from them being in the trenches of having to do you know 45 50 pages of dialogue special effects and everything while they're having anxiety and getting screamed at and the sets are falling down around them and they have to be on top of it so now it's you know, three guys hanging out in Venice Beach. Jerry's <laughs> gonna be
0: great, man. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably the least pressure he's had, and you know, compared back to the yeah, other. Yeah, we days. had
1: so much fun. We had so much fun making that. Just like hanging out and filming and eating and bullshitting and you know, doing it.
0: Now, Maggie Wagner as Eleonora yeah. Williams. Yeah. She didn't she win an award for this film? For supporting both actress. her and Jerry
1: both her and Jerry uh got um yes yeah, supporting and for, for lead act I forget what festival we won several awards so we got the best film I got a best director at the, another festival um I mean all of that's wonderful and it's great it really what matters is getting the film seen by people um you know morals awards and all that is, is nice but it's the the audience you know the fact that okay, after we've done all this work, there are butts in that chair that actually want to watch it and are enjoying it. That's all that matters.
0: Yeah, what I was looking at is when I watched her do the role, and I'm glad she got recognition in that because yeah. she was terrific in she, the role. I mean, you knew a good job. you knew right away, and even August did in his the narration part. That you know, this was not adding something up well. Up. Yeah, yeah, something was yeah. up, and she did that very well. And you know, especially when she kept saying, "I want, I need the film, the film." You know, and as yeah. soon as I heard that, I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, this, this is." Yeah. She's, she's <laughs> don't mess with her. Don't mess with, don't her. Mess
1: with her. Yeah, we you no know, Maggie, and also she had a really complicated job because, um, she she acted it backwards. The way that the schedule worked out, um, was. We shot so it was like me, Nate, and Jerry hanging out in December, and then um, we uh, Maggie wasn't available until January, so I recall. And then the way that the way that things worked out, we shot backwards. So like she started with the ending, and like her very last scene on the movie was her introduction. So she played the part backwards. And I remember thinking, I don't, I don't know how I would do that. Then again, I'm not an actor. That's why I don't act, but. I was like, I don't know how she's gonna start one way and then go this other way, and it's totally inverse. And yet, it was kind of brilliant. I would like, what? How she did it? And um, and she wasn't there long. I think she Maggie was only on the show for about three days. You know, very in and out. I mean, everybody came in and did their thing and was out because it, it was just me, Nate, and Jerry you know Nate and I are working the, all the technical and stuff when he wasn't coming in and doing his lovecraft bit because it Jerry it's Jerry's film.
0: Yeah. I, and I just want to give her credit along with Jerry for oh, having yeah, their yeah, char- yeah. for having no, their characters absolutely. worked out ahead of time. See that? So she could do yeah. backwards, forwards in between because she had worked it all yeah. out where in some movies you know they shoot in order and, and the actor works it out as they're going along. Yeah. But she yeah. had that I mean
1: she was just as calculated as Eleonora, you know. And she held her. I mean, they all, everybody held their own in that film. But, but, her and Jerry, there's several scenes that they they're giving each other these looks, and it's like, who's gonna throw the first punch? Because both of them, both of them seem very
0: capable right now.
1: Um, it was a lot of. I mean, we had so much fun making that.
0: It was it was it so was excellent. Fun. And and again. You know, I'm not sure is this, film, I'm trying to remember now because you, you sent me so many different links to so many different films. I'm losing track of what's actually available. This
1: is, this is uh, exclusively on DVD. Okay. Exclusively. Yeah. yeah. Thank,
0: thank you for helping me out on that. You
1: know. Oh yeah, no problem. No. <laughs> but, Don't worry about it.
0: But if you're an H.P. Lovecraft fan or just a fan of um, psychological drama or horror. which yeah, is, I film I noir. Film noir. This is definitely one you want to seek out and, and get because it, it was excellent. Um. Then you went into a little bit of a comic book stretch mm-hmm. with your films with what happened to Detective Adam sira And the actor who play, um, plays Detective Serra, Eric Gorlo, does a yeah. really good job. I mean, he, he was in the last case of August e. Harrison as the son that set the whole thing up. Yeah. But yep. it's, it was interesting because you did like a trilogy of shorts or more than an yeah, Well, action. no, there's,
1: there's five of them. There's, there's five. five of them.
0: Yeah, but I mean the main and three. There's technically, there's technically
1: three earlier ones from when I was a student filmmaker um, with Lyndon Child uh, as the uh, the sergeant, but um, Detective Adam Sarah, yeah. So this is a, a character. Uh, do we have a clip, or should I just start rambling again, or what would you, what uh, do, you do? I don't have – did, did, it didn't have so. a
0: trailer. It didn't have a trailer for this one where I could see on YouTube, so I don't have a clip for it or of it. Oh, okay, that's all but it's um it's, it, what I liked about it is, and you've done this with a lot of your films, is when you do the film when you when you set it up, it's going back and forward in time. It's like you, you okay, know, you, non-linear. You, yeah, non-linear, which I like, and have no problem with at all. You know, and, and this first one was really good with Max <laughs> Max um, Land worth with yeah. playing Ben Campbell. And when I watched him in this film, he reminded me of a young John Cryer (laughs) with his mannerisms and his laugh. I was thinking, because a lot of people are going to go with the Joker when you, when you describe the movie a little bit, but I was thinking it's like John Cryer, the way he's going at his face and doing this and that. I'm like, you know, that was where my mind went to. I don't know. I don't know whether he would like that or not, but that's where I had it. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) <laughs> well you know it's, it's some everybody has a different opinion about different things so, yeah, yeah, and yeah. A, a different background <laughs> but you obviously have done many of these when, and they're available on dvd
1: um, they're they're all on dvd and they're also all on my youtube channel because it's a it's a character in a world i'm very proud of um i was writing these i guess you could call them short i i there's a Somewhere deep inside of me, there is a frustrated comic book artist that cannot draw. So, because I can't draw, I'll write. So, I was writing like these short stories that are basically a comic book mythology about um, Lost Angeles. And um, my my idea was the big earthquake has happened, and as a result, we've all in Los Angeles. Los Angeles have kind of lost their minds. And there's sort of this new rogue gallery and, um, detective Adam, Sarah must, you know, right the wrongs, but also try to balance his own reality. Cause he's very, his, his psychological status is quite tenuous at best. Um, and then it just kind of goes from there. It's this very wild, colorful world of films and all their bad deeds and multiverses again. <laughs>
0: But, uh, yeah. One of the things I do, I agree with you. And I, um, with each of the shorts, it was like getting a new, a new issue. Being a comic book fan, it's like, oh, another issue. And the good part right. about being a comic book fan is sometimes, you know, it's like Batman came out and then eventually they'd come out with stories, Batman's origin stories. And, you know, and you, can, right. And I think this is very Batman like with your, the gallery of villains, you know, yeah. you have coming out, except nobody I, has. Well, you think nobody has any superpowers, but then you find out uh, that you do that multiverse stuff and uh, who there's, knows yeah, what's going
1: on. And in, in my stories, there are more fantastical characters and more crazier things. But, I mean, yeah, I I mean, I'm a 90s kid. I grew up on Batman the Animated Series. And that was, you know, so those characters' designs and stuff is fantastic. And then, But there's a uh, healthy amount of Kiss Me Deadly and you know mickey Spillane in detective adam's hair's dna and um and then we got blade runner and and also just the the film noir language and in me being you know an la kid so much of my um fascination with la history and obscure creepy la um that i've been like you know put into that world and uh, it's a combination of multiple things but it's probably one of the most Personal uh, project of mine, ultimately,
0: yeah, especially because you developed it as a in one art form and took it mm-hmm. to a different art form, which which you're doing very well at. I mean, you get finding that creative outlet that works, and there's certain things right. you can do in each medium that you can't do in the other one, right? Right, which which is make which makes it nice. And of course, I mean, there are some scenes in there. Where I'm just like, what in the world is going on you know it, 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 it's', it's a, cause, cause you had like um lady cat pop out of nowhere and do this and then, <laughs> and then of course the next but film, then we explain it, we. <laughs> yeah so so if, if you watch one of these shorts and you're like what the the next short usually explains what happened in the prior short because again he likes to go back in time and then show from the different angles and then um was a dream catcher or dream weaver well,
1: dream weaver, the dream weaver
0: dream weaver. She comes into play and explains the whole multiverse. Um, and part. then
1: everything takes on a whole perspective, a different perspective of what really has been going on here on um, these five individual stories. Uh, again, so much fun. And really, um, the, when, when I had done my original trilogy of detective Adam, Sarah, back when I was a teenager, um, we only did uh, the Ice Snatcher, Copycat, and then the Fireman. It was very sort of limited. So when we were doing this, and then also we're doing Dr. Hazard, and we're doing the Dreamweaver, and I'm like dressing up my actor friends as these people, and, and then there's like this other half of me. is like, hey, I'm getting to see my character literally come to life. You know, that I've been like, I've been writing stories about these people since I was, you know, a kid in school. And now it's, here they are, and they're interacting, and they're, Doing the things that they're doing, and so there was a there was a, a fanboy, <laughs> a personal fanboy happening for my own <laughs> creations, but lots of fun, so much fun to make those movies.
0: Oh, and then you have a crossover between your movie universes, <laughs> which you know I don't want to spoil, but you know. Um, oh, you can you can totally spoil. I think it's a selling point. <laughs> <laughs> oh. well, if if, if 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 you like Nathan Wilson and you like Doctor Baboose, you know he makes an yeah. appearances in this movie and is in and, uh, yeah. and it leaves it yeah. open for more you know because uh, what, you know what what's going to happen now and then you have multiple detective sarahs and all this other stuff um yeah it's it's in multiple everybody everybody had like different people playing them in in that last part you know it's the last part i watched i mean it's hard to say right yeah, right yeah, yeah. Which order are you supposed to watch me? Well, it's on the multiverse.
1: Uh it goes it goes uh Whatever Happened to Detective Adam Sarah, and then Old Friend Origins, um, Under a Shroud of Smoke. Then there's like a mini short that's D V D only called Copycat Lady Cat, which is this very weird musical thing that we did. And then um there's the Long Dream Home, which is the conclusion.
0: I think um, I I think yeah. I missed Origins. I think I seen the other three. You know, that I okay. could see And I I do like how you set up the effects for showing the Dreamweaver, you know, around around um uh, the um, Detective Sarah's character to show it. You know, and and she was always she was explaining stuff was so Doctor Who referencing going on. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, Well, he's hitting all like dark shadows Doctor Who. You know, I'm waiting for Star Trek to pop in there if it hasn't already. You know.
1: Uh, well, you have you got to check out. Although this is. Admittedly, not a good film, *The Rising Light*. Um, that's YouTube, but that's 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 my outer space cosmic adventure. So, yeah, I'll be honest. Uh, I was in a transitional period at that time. But Detective Adams, I'll tell you, Doctor Who. I have seen some Doctor Who. I'm not. I know what a TARDIS is, and I know what a Dalek is, and I know that he changes forms. But I I can't I can't Sit down and explain Doctor Who the way I can sit down and explain Dark Shadows and Twin
0: Peaks to you. Um, but wait a minute! I built that set. You can explain Twin Peaks.
1: <laughs> I can explain my my interpretation of Twin Peaks.
0: I just had to say that.
1: You know, uh, you know I can at least tell you what order to watch it. I I I keep telling my buddy Nate, okay, you got to sit and watch this, then you got to watch Fire Walk Me, then you got to do this. But that's um when we shot <laughs> we shot the Dreamweaver sequences in Jack Adam Sarah. I built the Dreamweaver set, which is a bunch of lights and fog. There's really not much to it. Um, But I kept uh, Detective Adam, Sarah, and the Dreamweaver out of the garage until it was all fully lit and ready and foggy and everything. And I'm like, okay, now come in. So they only experienced that environment. And when Elise, who plays the Dreamweaver, comes in, she goes, wow, this is like being in a real-life TARDIS. So
0: I was like, okay, that's cool. It looked good. It it, it, it looked good. I mean, I was watching. I was like, wow, I like, I mean, I mean, I could tell what you were doing. If I, you know, if I, if I freeze framed and looked at it, you know, but again, a lot of times when I'm in the film, I'm just enjoying the ride. It's like, okay, this, this is believable. I know, again, like we said, you're working on budget. What budget? No money. No, but no money, no money. Pizza for lunch money. Yeah. You know, no money. And yet somehow you get Jerry Lacey, so, Catherine Lee Scott and Laura Parker and David Selby and, you know, Christopher panic to show up. Must have, you no. must have, you must be doing something, you know, get, must have some charm on you when you're with them, you know, at least, at least your emails are.
1: Good. I am Dr. Mabuse. I just hypnotize
0: them and they come. Yeah, you know? That would explain <laughs> everything. <laughs> Except that I'm still broke. So uh, geez, Mabuse made money.
1: <laughs> but yeah, they have a good time. Really. That's, I mean, that's, i kiss like i said this is my fun um if you're not having fun doing this don't do it and we it takes an army to make a movie this is a whole entirely collaborative effort so if you're going to come we're all going to have fun that's the main objective because we don't have any money so we gotta have some fun
0: that is true um, you've done you've done your HP Lovecraft. You've done superhero. You've done crime genre, witches in it, all that stuff. Then you go and do a ghost story. Yeah. Uh-huh. The Nighttime Winds. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that one was really good. And We're going to play the trailer for it first and then we'll talk about it. But this one, very small cast, very well done. You guys are going to love it. <laughs> stop Now, I know listeners, there wasn't much dialogue in there yeah
1: <laughs> sure. there's a there's another trailer that that came out that has more dialogue and more plot uh in it, but I know that's a very visual trailer that you played
0: yeah I'd like play good but I liked Christopher Pennock Pannock playing yeah. it for, because it almost reminds me this house has a death curse kind of voice going on <laughs> where he's right. saying his lives with the <laughs> night winds, and he does it so well, you know and
1: um oh yeah. That's Chris, that's, that's, that's him.
0: But Kelly Aaron Decker as Sheila and Kate Avery as Wendy, who've been in multiple of your films. Mm-hmm. Is this their showcase with the two of them? Basically, it's, a, it's their story. Um, Nathan yeah. Wilson, of course. What's a film without Nathan Wilson from you? <laughs> you got to have yeah. him in there. and he And he plays a couple different roles. But I I liked it that it was a small cast, intimate setting, And I think it worked really well. Do you want to, if you want to describe people, you know, um, what it's about. Yeah.
1: Well, I'll tell you, I dreamed, I dreamt this film when I was, again, like in 7th or 8th grade, I had this dream about these two women in this big house. And one of them was terrified of the dark. And they were, like, in this big living room with the staircase in the back. And then the light went out and the one was just terrified because she knew there was something else in the dark. And I, it was one of those weird dreams where it's like, you're not quite sure, did I, was that something I watched on the television or was that like real or was did I dream that? And evidently I dreamt it. Um, and then I, I always was like, oh my God, this makes such a cool movie. And it's black and white haunted house, gothic. Um, and then took me years to finally think of what that story could be and it originally uh this film began as like an episode for season two of my uh web series uh, theater fantastique and then it became kind of like a mini feature and uh but it's a it's very influenced by Shirley Jackson's writings um more so we have always lived in the castle than the haunting uh because of the tale of two sisters and. You know, they are not psychologically stable as any good pair of sisters should be. And lots of regrets, lots of dark family secrets and of the winds that never stop blowing, which is something I love. Another film that Warner Bros. needs to get us out on Blu-ray, the 1928 silent film The Wind with Lillian Gish, uh, which is about this woman uh, that comes... Uh, to the prairies and the title part says, uh, the story of a woman who comes to the valley of the winds and the winds that keep howling and she's like going mad and she's seeing the wind personified as this great white horse and um, it's a fantastic silent film oh my god amazing needs a blu-ray and I love it and that that kind of became the linchpin of like oh okay that's how you that's how this haunted house story uh, needs to be and then um, we did it.
0: <laughs> it it was it was I'm interested in the opening scene and it was shown in a couple other scenes what house did you get you got a building somewhere where it has all that stairwells I mean you
1: know multiple locations multiple locations um, some of it was Greystone mansion in Beverly Hills we ran up there and stuck around on the ground for a moment um, some of it's out in Riverside California some of it is in my living room on a green screen. Some of it is at my aunt and uncle's redressed. Um, it's the house doesn't exist. The house is a. Oh, I
0: know the uh, house doesn't exist. I'm just meaning the, um, the build the, the-, staircase? Yeah, where the staircase was the, the staircase is out in Riverside, California. Yeah. Cause when you're watching, you're was, like, yeah. they're still going up and up. They're still going. They're <laughs> still going. Yeah. Uh, and I started <laughs> to think practical thoughts. I hope to lose them that far away from wherever this bedroom is, <laughs> which <ended up> being, <laughs> you start. To I think, know.
1: And then you keep going and going, but it's all metaphor because they're going into the mind. They are receding further and further into their own fractured psyche.
0: And what uh, I don't want to spoil this movie because this movie has some nice twists in it, you know, with different personality <laughs> things, yes. but it is, it is really good. And it's, it's one of those, thank you. Uh, I mean, especially one one person gets um offed in in a way where it was just like, oh, who did that? And it was just that was a good effect how you did that. Very gruesome. What? Yeah, really like, that was that was a night
1: full of laughter. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, it, it's always fun. Always fun making a movie. Like,
0: but yeah, but that one, I, mean, I can see where you got from Shiloh Jackson, you know, and and going with that. Is it, is it, is it a real ghost? Is it them? Is, yeah. You know, it's, it's, and those are yeah. the things I like where you, of course in this one, you pretty much tell us exactly where it should be, but I like films also where it leaves you wondering, was it real or was not it? real? Yeah. Which we'll get to a, your last movie. That's oh yeah. Come we'll come to that one. <laughs> <laughs> cause, cause that one, that one, that one is definitely uh, the one that, I've I've debated with some friends and you know, and they're like we have we've, we've had disagreements, not like in a bad way, but we 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 both think it ended in a different way. <laughs> right. Which okay. I'm sure you did that intentionally.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. My dad always tells me, Oh God, am I gonna be able to understand the ending of this one or not? I'm like, Well, you'll just have to wait and find out. Why won't you?
0: Well, I guess I guess your dad was like August T. E. Harrison when he couldn't understand his son's paintings until eventually he did.
1: Actually, that's my dad's favorite movie. My dad loves that movie. He's like, that's your best movie. Go make another one like that. Like, well, it's not that easy, Dad, but I appreciate it. <laughs> well,
0: that, That's one of the things I like about your movies. We talked about a gambling man. We talked about, we we've had, you had serious things. You have um, uh, fantasy-type films, you know, Gothic car, you're not pigeonholing yourself in the one type of film genre. No. And I think that's very important, you know, when because otherwise people are like, oh yeah, he's this guy. Which is good. Yeah. Some some people like that. They like their niche, they're in their niche, they're happy in that niche, and they like to work in that, which is fine. I mean, I'm not I, I like to see diversity in the work, you know, and it shows yeah. me that they're, you know, and it and it could end up being like, you know, I didn't really care for that particular it didn't. It didn't work for you, and then, but you got it out of your system. You found out what is it going to work for me or not work for me, right? Right. Will and Liz is one of those that that goes out because it's a, a year in the life of two people, Will and Liz, yeah. and really it's, yeah. it's again Nathan Wilson and Christina and Christine Tucker as Liz, yeah, and yeah. two different personalities. And um, to give you an idea what they're like personality wise, we're going to play a little audio clip. Of um, blue beach Christmas. And is there anything you want to say to set up before we play the audio clip of them? Um...
1: um. Yeah. So this is uh, it's a it's a love story. Um, of basically be- between two desperate people, and uh, where this this Christmas is is kind of in the middle of their relationship, and things are about to kind of go south. <laughs> i guess you could say but it's still okay for the moment and that's where we find them on christmas day on the beach
0: all right so listeners give you a little idea let's listen in
1: you know this is one of the best Christmases i think i've ever had
2: actually it is the best The thing that always makes me so sad is there's so much build up to Christmas. Now it's over, and then it's New Year's, and two weeks later, everyone's miserable, you know? Time goes so fast. Well, what do you wanna do for New Year's? Wanna to go to a bar, or a party, or? You were never the one to mention a bar or party when we first met. You've changed me. <laughs> No, let's stay in. My housemates are all going out with their friends, and I'm enjoying this.
0: For those wondering when she did her laugh and her giggle is when she, um, she had a, um, like a Santa's hat on her elf hat and she, they're on the beach and she's running to go into the water and the hat falls off and will stays on the towel. He doesn't follow her.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Foreshadowing. And and I think for me watching it, it shows the differences in their personalities. Like, in that short minute long clip where you get to hear the audio where she's always been more experiences, you know, going to do these things because I think she looks at it as the time is so precious. You don't know how much time you have. I want to enjoy as much life as I can where I think um, Will is more grounded. He's, He's more of like, I want to, you know, slow and steady wins the pace type he doesn't want to rock the boat he wants to stay with him himself which is one i think he brings up the um you want to go to a bar or restaurant because you never were that type you know and she's yeah. bringing him out of his shell and yeah i think that's what i liked about this movie it was that slice of life for a year
1: yeah that was i mean talk about a total 180 from all my other endeavors um but that was the point because i I was scripting a, an actually a very big film, a very big film um, for an outside uh, client. It wouldn't have been um, a of Productions project. And uh, it was a horror movie. And within it, there had to be like a love story subplot. And I was writing it and I'm like, I'm feeling more as I'm writing this love story subplot and I'm responding more to that than I am to the vampire activity. You know, that I have to write. And, uh, I, and I was just kind of, I was so, I finished all the Detect Adam stairs, I'd done Nighttime, we've done all this, this stuff that we've already discussed, you know. And I'm like, I just need a break. I need to feel something again. I need to challenge myself again. And, um, I hate romantic comedies. So let's go make a love story. And, uh, So I had an outline and I, you know, to be fully blunt, uh, half the movie I've lived and half the movie Nate has lived. And thus we come together to write, (laughs) to write the script. (laughs) So it's all of our commiserated misery of relationships and life in Los Angeles and dating in Los Angeles and the ups and downs of, Yeah, of being in a relationship or trying to be in a relationship and realizing you're either not right for each other, as these two characters probably should not be together, but yet this codependency and then the um, the fear of being alone, I guess, really, because that's Will's main thing. He does not want to be alone and he's very clingy uh, as as, he, as you can see in the film and then um and she doesn't know who she is or what she wants and yet they're so magical together at first until so because of each other they begin to grow and then things aren't so smooth as they used to be again so much fun to make so much fun to make it was myself nate and christine for like a month and a half of just pretty much like going on one very long prolonged date (laughs) making this movie (laughs) like just doing it and and going out there you know guerrilla filmmaking all over la all over venice um and you know again, with August, like August Harrison, this is reality. There is nothing about this that is fantasy. There is nothing about this that's heightened. Um. So, therefore, the performances are so key, and we have to like Will. We have to like him to go on that journey. We have to like her. She can't be unlikable. How do you make these two very um, broken characters, make them real, make them likable, make us want to go on the journey with them, make every single convincing where we believe this relationship so that we are heartbroken when the relationship begins to sour um and do it you know with with traffic whizzing past you and sirens and car horns and homeless people asking for money and to shoot their music video for you and yeah and then we did it and it was it was it was it's one of the best filmmaking experiences i've had and one most rewarding and uh, another film I'm incredibly proud of. And we worked so hard on it.
0: Now, as I told you earlier, um, this is the first film of yours that I watched because this is available on Amazon prime, Mm -hmm. you know, so for listeners that have Amazon prime, I mean, it's, it's right there. Give it a listen and and leave a review, you know, put in the comments, you know, leave a review about, you know, you know, whether you liked it or not, you know, cause those things matter. And, so, I ne- so this is like my introduction to his filming. I'm watching. I'm like, "Wow, this is nice." It's like set up. It's a small group. It's going through. It's showing you that relationship. And I know for some people in movies, they get upset when there's like nothing really happening, so to speak. I mean, there's things happening, but you know they want. Oh yeah. Like, oh, it's she's subtle. Yeah, subtle. It's like he or she's got to get cancer. Or they got to get sick or this and that. You know something. Tragic, or once somebody gets shot, or right. which doesn't happen in the film, but you get you get my point is that people are expecting. Oh, yeah. And you brought up Lillian Gish earlier, and I remember the whales of August. I don't know if you've ever seen yeah. that film. Oh yeah, of course. Of and course. it's a wonderful film where nothing really happens. Yeah, it's a slice but of it's a about life. the relationships and the memories and the
1: regrets and the dynamics. And now, oh, do we get the second chance? But it it it's uh yeah it's a human story and that's what we wanted to do or really i wanted to do with it it's a human story i don't want to do and now here comes the undead ghost and the, the, i i dealt with the ghoulies and ghosties and gore enough now let's people you know real feelings real emotions real, real i was watching i remember i was watching Et tu mama tambien, alfonso carl's um sex comedy if you want to call it <laughs> and i was like I want to do a film like this. This is real. This is about feeling something and about a place. And I want to do that with this. I want to document Venice Beach as it is right now because it's a constantly shifting animal. Um. Uh. And this moment of time. Um. And yeah, so, so that that was really my my objective. I, I just to feel something real.
0: And, and and that's what I'm saying. For me, reminds I think of as you're like whales of August kind of film where it's it's a human relationships. I
1: yeah. enjoy
0: that film a lot. I enjoy this film a lot because of that. Because you don't always need something, travel you know like we said drastic to happen. So it's nuances yeah. that both of them were able both you know um, Christine and Nathan were able to do, going through mm-hmm. that role and. Mm-hmm. It was very enjoyable, and it's and as you said, it's really just the two of them. I mean, they do show some friends here and there,
1: but it's it's Will and Liz, and that's that's the title, and that's what we give
0: you. <laughs> and and like I said, it's on Amazon Prime. It's easy to watch; just go download it or play it, stream it, whatever, and you can go right for it and have fun. I mean, for those that have Amazon Prime, yeah. there's another film of yours on Amazon Prime. And 2b TV well, uh, well two, I don't have 2B TV but yeah you know. <laughs> I'm sure you would know everywhere it's at and uh oh yeah and that's loon Lake
1: yep
0: and we're gonna play the the trailer for that but th- this one is the second film here I saw and I will say this with with and you can give this credit to Nate Wilson Nathan Wilson I did not realize at first it he was the same actor As well. Because in he has got the beard and he's wearing the hat all the time or a lot of the time. And so when Loon Lake comes on, I was like, Oh, that's, that's a different guy. You know? So he was able to act so well that I did not realize he, here I'd seen these films back to back days (laughs) and did not realize it's the same actor, you know. So he was able he's to really. really happy to do that. Yeah, I'm just, that's why I wanted to give him a lot of credit because he really. I mean, you can just see the growth. Like I said, now I've seen his earlier work, and it's. A, I mean, I hope he gets. You know, besides working for that he gets other work because he's really, really good.
1: He is. And he's he, very talented.
0: And these two movies are a showcase of the diversity that he can bring. And, and, and Crypto, of course, is in around the same time. So really, you're talking yeah. about three totally different roles, yeah. Um, and, and he's able yeah. to bring it, he's able to um, um, do an excellent job.
1: Oh yeah, it's always, always.
0: So let's listen to the trailer of Loon Lake, and this one is amazing.
2: <laughs> kind friend, beware as you pass by, as you are now. So once was I, as I am now, so you must be. Prepare yourself to follow me. Son, what's bugging you? I've seen that look you have in your eyes before. It's never a good thing. It's God's will. He's testing us. You believe this is a test? I must believe it. There's no witch,
1: she's just some poor girl.
2: truth fear does crazy things
0: was the trailer for Loon Lake and again all these trailers that I played are available on YouTube at Hollinsworth Productions so you can subscribe Maybe. follow and as he puts new trailers out boom you can do it Loon Lake again Nathan Wilson in the starring role David yeah. Selby playing two different roles yeah he's uh, just amazing um, Catherine Lee Scott playing his wife in the past um, David Selby's wife and yeah. um Karen Ellen Aaron Karen Ellen Karen Aaron Decker as um Mary Jane Turlinden Ter- thank you yeah. Ter Linden and what I like about the actors that you've had in a lot of your movies, they don't have traditional Hollywood looks. You know, like you go to a Hollywood movie, everybody is just like Nobody sees these people, and you know, like a guy like me, I'm not gonna, you know, I might run into one person that looks like a Hollywood star, so to speak. But uh, you you got real people, and or people with distinctive things, and and, and she's a, she's just enchanting. She has that enchanting look about her, you know, where, you know yeah. where it just draw where she draws you in. And I didn't mention this in the other films, but when she shows up, she just draws you in to her, even she's if she's so in a magnet Yes. Yeah but what do you want to tell listeners about Loon Lake?
1: Well, it's based on a Minnesota uh, ghost story that Nate grew up with. Um, the, the The town, the house, everything that you see in the film, that's the Nate's hometown. That's Nate's farmhouse where he grew up as a kid in Minnesota. Um, the legend is only, like, the cemetery is only 10 minutes away from his house, of so, like grew up with this thing of Back in the day, uh, there was supposedly a witch um, who was executed by the town and buried in Walloon Lake Cemetery. And if you cross her grave three times, she'll come back, she'll come for you, and you'll die an unnatural death. And this myth has been perpetuated over time. And as a result, people came in and they defaced the cemetery. Uh, subsequently they've had to remove the real Mary Jane's tombstone and so nobody really knows where she's buried but it's this very big thing in the Midwest um, the band Megadeth uh, wrote the song Mary Jane all about her curse um, one of the guys is from the area as well and uh, so Nate very first time I met him he's like yeah you know I, I grew up not far from like a haunted cemetery and <laughs> told me this whole thing I always wanted to make a movie about it and then we had just finished Will and Liz and we were writing one of the many scripts that we've got sitting around ready for production should any financier out there be listening we've got <laughs> scripts so we had just finished writing one and we had a cup of drinks and we're feeling really good about ourselves I'm like damn it what are we going to make now because what we've just written is a 50 million dollar film we can't make that so what are we going to make now and he's like what about the witch that I grew up with and I'm like hey let's do that because then we can go film in Minnesota so long story short we wrote the scripts. um uh, i'll also say this david selby was nowhere in my thoughts or in nate's thoughts at the time that we you know were writing the script so you know his very first line in the film let the devil take his own is a quote from night of dark shadows but that's just because me i love my you know dark shadows and here's a movie about a witch that's being executed so why not you know just honor that moment. Lo and behold, didn't expect him to, didn't expect that it would be him, you know, saying it 50 years after the fact, but that was cool. Um, And uh, we wrote it. uh, We knew Kelly would play the witch because Kelly is a very good friend of ours. And the three of us scraped together what very little we had. And after trying for real financing and real product placements and any help that we could get, we realized nobody is going to help you. If you want to do anything, you got to do it yourself. So with that in mind, we put together really what very little we had and rented a U-Haul and drove across the country to Nate's parents' house and spent a month in Minnesota. And it was the best time of my life. I can honestly say that. The best month of my life ever. Like, so amazing and, and, the, and also because since this is a, a thing that you know half of the state you know knows this legend this is within the community it's a thing um uh, we, we try to keep the movie a secret but of course we roll into the town of 150 people and everybody knows and everybody was involved we had the whole town be part of it you know in the we do the past flashbacks and and we're used to Los Angeles where everybody is making a movie, quote unquote. Or is quote unquote in the industry everybody else. So oh, you're making a movie? Okay, whatever. There it's you're making a movie, you know, they welcome me with we'll, you know, come to my house, you maybe want to use that, or we use your restaurant, or we can do it. We had the whole town to ourselves. We were uh, you know, it was like my own private back lot. We were on the front page of the newspaper, we'd go into like the bigger town at to Walmart, people would recognize us <laughs> You know. Um, they you were a superstar. We were, we were, our sound, I hear the great story, our sound guy, we went to the gas station to, you know, get gas and stuff and the gas station had the newspaper. The guy, so Kelly and David, our sound guy, go into the gas station, the rest of in the car and um, the guy apparently recognized Kelly and because we were on the front page, he goes, hey, you, oh, you guys are the movie people in town, you know, and david our sound guy goes yeah we're kind of a big deal around here <laughs> and that became like, <laughs> that became, like our, our inside joke whenever like something was kind of a big deal around here so we would then david selby comes to town and everybody's like oh my god Quentin is here or oh my god richard channing is here and then we go to like the winery that's like the, the they have a in the Round Lake, they've got the Round Lake Vineyard and it's this very nice winery and there's a restaurant and stuff. So we would go there in the evenings and party basically. And so we're all sitting around the table and David's sitting there and then the town people start recognizing, oh my God, that's Clinton. And they all are coming over and he's signing stuff for them and they're taking pictures with him. And um, and, and we're just having so much fun. Uh, and then Catherine. Catherine's from Minnesota as well. And so she flies in from New York uh, and her brother and sister-in-law pick her up. They drive down three hours from Minneapolis to the town that we're in. She spends the night with us. We do, you know, all their scenes on location in real, you know, 1700s, 1800s, you know, churches and cars, like everything was authentic. Everything was actually there from that time. And we had it at our full, you um, you know, disclose, You know, we could do whatever we wanted, and she's used to being in the eight by eight garage with blue screen wrapped around her. So she walks into this church and she walks into this parsonage, and we're like, "This is where you're going to live." And she's like, "Wow, this is this is fantastic," because she's seen how we've grown, you know, as mm-hmm. filmmakers in the eight and nine. Um, so it was a whole big epic event. We shot sixteen days consecutively the middle of the woods in the middle of the night running around cornfields and um, the whole and then well I won't but, but the whole town was like coming out whenever we're doing big elaborate things in the middle of the street <laughs> and they're all like there. there's some the, the original cut of the film was two hours and 21 minutes so about an hour an hour and 15 minutes was cut but there was more things that we would do out in the middle of the street we had the witch coming down the street for the dead wife and everybody's in the shop uh, shop windows like filming us filming. So it was like we have TMZ, the local TMZ, Minnesota TMZ, watching us do our work, and um, the blood stain in the middle of the street was there for a weekend from us. It was the best time of my life. The best time of my life. So much fun. Um, desperate to go again in a heartbeat. Because that's also the most recent thing I've I've made too. We shot that September twenty eighteen. The film came out uh, October twenty nineteen. We went back to Minnesota to premiere it in the movie theater. That was very cool, very surreal for everybody. Um, and uh, we've got a Blu Ray coming up, hopefully June July. This pandemic has obviously, you know, thrown the schedule a bit, but um, the film is out there on Amazon Prime on Tubi TV. TV on um uh Google Play, Voodoo, a couple other platforms and then a forthcoming Blu ray D V D release with some um, some deleted scenes and also how we made the movie. So
0: Oh you can do the director's commentary?
1: Uh we actually we did record a commentary, but then I decided well that's that's Let's not reveal everything. Let's not tell everybody too, too many secrets. So we, we have a, a, a very good, thorough making of. Okay. Um, and uh, uh, David Selby, he's interviewed on it. Um, we also have like behind the scenes on the music score, uh, deleted scenes, so you get to see uh, some of, quite a bit of what was cut. Not all of it, but most of it. Um, I forget what. There's, there's, there's a bunch of...
0: The on the I'm coming. looking forward to this Blu-ray. You know, this is because cause that'll be cool to get those um behind the, the deleted scenes and the making of because those are yeah. things like a lot of us movie fans like. We also like to have the physical copy because yeah. once yeah. you got a copy, you got a copy. <laughs> exactly. Netflix won't pull it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Or Amazon Prime and all those other things. Right. But you're on there today and tomorrow could be... Eh. Oh, I know
1: we're on there for another five years, that contract.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's not going anywhere soon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) Not yet.
0: (laughs) But but this film was excellent. It's a psych, for those that, you know, didn't get it, it's a psychological horror ghost Mm -hmm. story or is it, you know, and that's, you know, and that's the thing is. um, And
1: that was very key. That was very key to, to us because, Half the people believe it. Half the people are like, "No, I went out there. I saw whatever." Other people like, "It's never happened. She was not a witch. She died in Iowa. There's no such thing. It's not real." So that dichotomy is inherent in the material itself. So to then be able to use that to our advantage of, "Well, what's going on here? Is this, or is it all just tragedy? You know, uh, is it just?" Uh, the quiet and isolation of the countryside or is that countryside a little more corrupted in the folk horror sense of the word? Um, and is there something potent out there lurking amidst the cornfields and in the wind and at that cemetery?
0: Especially so, you, with Nate's character being um, emotionally fragile coming in to the yeah. movie, which oh, is yeah. explained early on. Um, I'm not going to spoil the ending because this film is so fresh. I won't be able to see it. But I'll just say there's a good friend of mine, Jeff Owens. Both of both of us have seen this. He does um, podcast, the Classic Cars Club podcast, and he he has one opinion, and I have another opinion, and we're we're <laughs> and we both think we're right, and which is which is what I love about some films is where you watch it and you go to the end and you're like. No, it ended this way. And you can talk to the person right next to you, you've been watching. No, no it didn't go that way. It went this way. Did you not see what I saw? But everybody's focused in on their own personal experiences through their own uh, mores, yeah. And then they come out with a different analysis. And that's what I find um, when that's people are so talking like about true. your movie, it's good.
1: It's, it's so, I mean, it's, I, everybody has, has asked us questions. Really. But, but what? Or what? And I, I mean, if, if people only knew how hard this film was, to make. I mean, there was a moment the film did not happen because there was no money. Um, and this film was not made with much. This movie was made with more money than any of my other works, but compared to like a television episode of regular television, this film was made with no money. But to just get what little we had to do that was, A tremendous effort and then to make a film out of state with only three people two of them are also the main characters in the film so they're pulling double duty um if people only understood the effort when you hear what you're saying of well was it or wasn't we're all sitting here debating we all have our own theories it's so rewarding and so um honoring really because it's like, okay, it, it meant something. All that work was not for, for not. Having said that, there is an answer. There is a. I have. I know the answer. I know the truth, and I'll never reveal that truth. It, I
0: was gonna it, say, I'm not going to ask, it ask you. It should be
1: up to the audience. I'm not going to yeah, ask you. It <laughs> should be up to the audience. <laughs>
0: because I want it to be left that's up the to power the audience. Of, I don't want to yeah, ask you. Yeah, that's mean, the
1: power. Yeah, that's the power of the, the longevity of the film. Because the longer that you ask questions more like twin peaks to go to twin peaks for a second the more questions that you ask the longer that world is alive so and there might be further we we wrote the we wrote a sequel on the drive back from minnesota to california we wrote the second film and it's a totally we go back in time to the 50s and it's a totally different story but still exploring similar things and similar um other stories that people were telling us as we were making this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we might, there might be further moon Lake adventures to come money dependent, but best time of my life. Best yeah. time of my life.
0: And one of the things I've also enjoyed about the movie, as you said, you had sets. Yeah. With the real we buildings. Everything was real. Everything was there. And that you can feel that so much, you know, in helping and, yeah. act, and I'm sure the actors, Loved having oh, yeah. all that stuff around them to be able yep. to work with and help them stay into those characters. I mean...
1: Yeah. Uh, we were out in the woods in the middle of the night with all the mosquitoes and the lanterns and the bonfire and they're feeling it instead of, okay, we're in the garage with the blue screen. Do your best.
0: And, and one actress I didn't mention, Brittany Benjamin, who plays Grayson, yeah. was a very yeah. important character in that and she also did yeah. an excellent job. And
1: uh, Very good.
0: And, and what I like is is... I'm trying to word this in a way so I'm not spoiling anything, but everybody has different points of view in the movie, as you said. And some people are looking at Mm -hmm. this person saying this stuff. It's like, no, 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 you're wrong. They don't say it. Sometimes they do say it, but you can see in their body language and their expressions that they're like, uh, are you okay? (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) and, and, And that kind of thing. And I think that's, that's what makes it so nice in that, um, the person doing the reactions is doing such a very you know very good job of, of, of selling that part
1: every every side needs to be authentic otherwise the whole thing is going to collapse it, I mean like like I was saying about Will and Liz if you don't buy both of them then this whole relationship which is what the film is about there is no film because it's all it's all fake so it with, with this story especially you, when we are asking what's real and what isn't. Every every side has to be um, honest like I said. Yeah. There can be no um, false notes. No false notes.
0: Now you said um, hopefully down the road there'll be a a sequel or prequel (laughs) or whatever in that universe. Another adventure. yeah. In Loon Lake. Um, What other things are you working on that that you can talk about?
1: (laughs) Well uh, I mean, there's we've got we've got five scripts. But we, I'll tell you this: we were going to make the Dunwich Horror this year. I, I, you know, as I said, I love Dunwich. We were going to do Dunwich Horror. Jerry Lacey would have been Wizard Waitley. Uh, Nate Wilson would have been Professor Armitage. David Selby would have been um, Professor. Uh, oh, I can't remember. He's one of the professors that that goes up, and he's like this crazy drug addict in the film so he's like on psychedelics and it's seeing into other dimensions like from beyond kelly kitko was gonna be um another professor we're gonna make her a female and uh it really i, I was drawing from a film i love called the other from 1970 tom tryon about these twins and here's the twin boys secrets and here's wilbur and his twin in this very sad relationship of this alien hybrid wanting to meet his father like it was it's a Beautiful script, I loved it. And then Richard Stanley, who I'm so happy has come back to filmmaking, announced he's going to do his version. So that kind of put the brakes on our no budget interpretation because they had six million on color out of space, and we can't compete with that. So, and then the pandemic happened. Uh, we've got plenty of other scripts, but what is? shockingly surprisingly in the works i wouldn't have expected it myself dr mabuse is returning or did he ever go anywhere was he always there we are making a third mini film and um even though we haven't publicly announced the title by the time this airs i'll I'll tell you the title the thousand and one lives of dr mabusa And Jerry Lacey is playing Dr. Mabuse again. Uh, Nate Wilson is playing Carl Lohman again. Yes. And uh, we're going to kind of turn everything on its head. And yeah, (laughs) that's all I feel like. It's going to be cool. It's going to be very different, very surreal. Uh, the, The main thing is, I'm now almost 30 years old and i was 20 years old when i did the my very first mabuse so talk about a difference in perspective and in filmmaking technique and in resources and now i have a microphone and um also story now it's really more the mental game between loman and mabuza and the ever spinning web that mabuse has uh and um, it'll
0: be cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to it because for me personally, the first movie where it was the two of them going at it. Yeah. I like that one better than the one where it got to be. Everybody was in it one because I like that. Um, yeah. Sherlock Moriarty morality. Uh, more, more, Moriarty. Thank you. Sometimes just, yep. I just can't, that's where my kids, my <laughs> kids will usually jump in. Dad, it's this one. I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I so said, when you get to a yeah. certain age, you got so many different words in your mind or names. You, you, sometimes you get tongue twisted. And, uh, it, it, I like that cat and mouse game.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I, what I was saying earlier about, you know, the second Dr. Mabuza film, um, at that time, that seemed like the best way to the most ambitious, certainly the most ambitious way to go with that. Uh, in hindsight, I, you know, I learned quite a bit, um, and I, I also speaking to like gambling man and crypto. Um, I felt bad for my character. I was like, really inspector Loman did not get much of a chance. I'm, I, I'm going to, I'm I'm going to spoil it. I, you know, Mabuse takes him over. He becomes the new Mabuse at the end of my first film. And then the second story continues that arc. But I was like, he did not get a chance. I need, I need to fix something here. I need to, you know, reevaluate things. And also, and I think this is also a sign of maturity and getting older, I and and what we're living in, the world we're living in right now, I found that I now want more happy endings. I want more hope. I want more positivity rather than darkness wins, and uh, especially now. So this is an opportunity to kind of revisit that and reevaluate that and still tell a very new, intriguing, tense story but now maybe both sides might stand a chance rather than one side is going to win. Um, Yeah. And there are some other familiar faces that might be cameoing surprisingly in this one too. So we'll see.
0: Thank you for your time. And um, again, listeners, Hollandsworth productions on YouTube. You can see a lot of the trailers and some, some of his films are available there. Oldies or is it alpha?
1: Yeah. Yeah. it's one and the same really oldies.com alpha
0: yeah, yeah. oldies.com com. the
1: links yeah all the links are on my holmes productions website and i think also on the youtube uh pages as well for the dvds that uh alpha has released kindly
0: yeah so i'll put up you know we'll put we'll try to put his links there i mean i'm sure if you go to um oldies.com and type in your name my name yeah know, and then it'll pop up all the films and um and of course, like we said already, Loon Lake and Will and Liz are available on Amazon Prime and
1: Two B TV and a Blu ray of Loon Lake is coming, hopefully this summer pandemic, you know, dependent. And uh we're gonna do a Will and Liz Blu ray as well. Um hopefully in time for Christmas, but we shall see. But um yeah, and then there's another Maboose to be on the loose <laughs> very soon. <laughs> No, and no. that, I will give credit to Jim Pearson for always saying, because he was like, oh, Mabuse is on the loose. But, sorry, well, still stole that from him.
0: Imagine if a moose walked on the set of Maboose and then was on the loose. Then you'd have a he moose in the you room in
1: that eight, by 8 garage, I'll tell you.
0: Well, you, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again. And listeners, um, hope you like this. And again, next episode will be a movie review, which will be decided by the role of a die. So we'll see what's coming up next week. Bye.